Hey. Yeah? Episode 202 is the All Aboard Destination Greenville, North Carolina show. <laughs> Whose destination is it? That's a, pretty, that's a pretty hefty title for producer Steve. <laughs> that's right. Episode 202, the All Aboard <laughs> Destination Greenville, <laughs> North Carolina, go Issaquah. That's right. Thank you for saying it correctly. August 9th versus Midway, Texas. As we record this, yep. you're getting ready. Are they already gone? The players are gone? Yeah, they left on Thursday. Wow. I know. Dropping her off at 4.30 a.m. at the airport again. 4.45 live hit with King 5 News. No, really? Yeah, crazy. This is awesome. It's crazy. Five and a half hour flight, then a four hour bus ride. I Has know. she now accomplished at age 12? I know what you're going to say. Yes. <laughs> More than I've ever accomplished because in my life. <laughs> I don't want to sound too late. Caddy. Too late, yeah. But you're one of these guys that likes to send Steve and I like old videos of you running the football. Yeah. You're kind of still living it. You're still trying to, I don't know, rehash the past. Well, I would say that if I, yeah, that that was fun. But really my glory days were syndicated morning show single <laughs> oh okay. if, if, if i could if i okay. ever had a glory days yeah but you don't send me clips of the t-man show <laughs> would you like me you to? send me clips of this huge number 43 <laughs> yes. from issaquah high school carrying would-be tacklers That's right. across the first down chains and you know steve and i just say yeah yeah, yeah pretty, good job yeah, buddy yeah, that's pretty, pretty good cool. yeah that's nice yeah. so i'm thinking that this is that i'm living through her or this is, or she no i don't want to say that yes i do um <laughs> no i'm in, am i enjoying the hell out of it of course no of course you should yes i you am. should proud parent but has she now with one swing of a bat in the little league Crazy. softball world series against midway texas yep on august 9th well, she, as soon as she steps into the batter's box, surpass <laughs> any athletic accomplishment of one Scott Soden. Well, you and Fish went to watch me play in the Northwest Football League, and I laid a Did block I? out on a guy, so... I kind of vaguely remember that. Did yeah, I? You, were so, you and Fish came to watch me in that league. Oh. So the answer is... Of course, she surpassed me already. <laughs> Which is okay, right? It's cool. I mean, we I, want our kids to be better and yeah. to do better than us. I was right? texting her, her uncle, my wife's brother, and I said, you know, it was always my dream and probably yours to play in the Little League World Series. Like, yes. Who didn't dream of that? Yes. I don't know that it's hers, but look who's playing it. She's playing in the <laughs> Little League. This is the whole Cody. There could be an ESPN 30 about her, 30 for 30 in about 25 years. She's like Cody's size, by the way. <laughs> I mean, she's 5'5", 170. I mean, she's Look, like Cody's size. This is good. This is good. I say to my kids all the time, I don't know that it, they hear it and it registers. It probably goes in one area and out the other because yeah. they're like, dad's always honest for something. But I've always told Max, you're smarter. You've got more intelligence. And it's true. He's got more intelligence in his pinky yeah. than I ever did. And I always tell Brad, who's a kind of an AAU baseball player and a, a pretty good basketball player. And I always tell him, I played, you're 10 times better. You're 10 times <laughs> yeah. more talented. And that's the way it should be, yeah, right? They should be sure. better than us. Especially all Maybe the, not. The, the time. <laughs> well, I mean, think about all the time and money you've put into Brett with the sports. It's year-round. I mean, we played baseball in the spring and maybe a little yes, in the I summer. Did. Yeah. We didn't play year-round. I mean, yeah. The, yeah. My, my sister who played. This is so effing cool. My sister played softball. She was really good in high school. And she's watching these kids. She's like, I can't believe how good they look. Yeah. 
Like, it's crazy yeah. how kids look these days. So are these games now on the real ESPN family networks, or are we still in plus? We're still in plus until for they now. Get to, until they get to a certain... Yeah, final eight or final oh, four, God. maybe, then we get on the And the have, we look, have we looked at Midway, Texas? Do we, what, what do we think of Midway, Texas? Do you want me to send the four paragraphs I already no, sent the head no, coach? No, 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 <laughs> no. Wait a second. Yes. You're sending the head coach yeah. four paragraphs? I am the scouting department. We're on the plane back, and he's like, hey, where's the So you don't have time to listen to Mitch Unfiltered. Way more important. But you have plenty of time to write four paragraphs to somebody who's probably like, uh, you know. He was bugging me. He said, hey. Let Scott Soden think that he's helping us out. That Scott Soden, by the way, predicted that the World Series was not a pipe dream for this team a year ago. So now they they think I'm a genius. Touche. I've been talking about it for a year. I'm done doubting you, Hot Thank you so much. Yes. You're God. uh, Yeah, so I have looked. um, I looked at two of their games. Yeah. One they lost. And now this is the team that benefited from that modified double elimination horse shit that we talked about. Yes. They lost early, but made it to the championship game and won. Right. You told me this. Both teams had one loss. Okay. In case there are listeners who are like, enough's enough. (laughs) There are. (laughs) Don't make me me hit the (laughs) 30-second fast-forward button. Yeah, sorry. Let me just ask a couple glass questions. Yeah. How many many United States teams are in? Because there's teams from all over the world. How many United States teams? How many regional? Eight regional champions. You guys are the Northwest Regional Champion. Have you seen all eight play? I know you've seen Issaquah play a couple times. You've seen have you seen like a little bit of video, a little bit of footage of all eight American teams? I think I have, yeah. We're honest engine now. Yeah. No proud father of the catcher. Yeah, yeah. Objectively speaking, where do you think you guys fit? Out of just those eight? Out of those eight. I think that they are top four. I think. I think. I mean, I think Virginia's the team to beat. They, they got second last year in the World Series. Yeah, but that could be a different it group could. of girls. It could, yeah. but they have one pitcher coming back. I hate the way I know her name, Kaylee Hodges. <laughs> That's a little creepy. I've been looking at this a little for, creepy. for a year. I've been studying these teams. So she's back, and they're probably the favorite. Okay. The, we look. just learned on Mitch Unfiltered <laughs> the name of the 12-year-old Virginia pitcher. She could be 13 for all we know. Okay. Way less creepy. No, I don't know. Well, can she be? Uh, that's, yeah. that's out of... Uh, no, you, you can't turn 13 yeah. before you yeah, have the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Southern California's team, Laverne, I watched them play live because they were in San Bernardino. They're really good. Dare I ask? I don't know any of the names about of those What about Shirley? <laughs> yeah, I didn't see Shirley play, but okay. Laverne is good. Laverne is good. Yeah, and so yeah, there's some good... T- they're all going to be But you think good. you're top four. You think you have a shot to win the United States bracket and play... On national TV, the international team. Well, there, there is there's no United States bracket, international bracket. They're just oh. thrown in with everyone. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so there's four. I thought it's a, I thought it's automatic that one American team team plays in the Little League World Series final game. It no? might it might have been that way at one point, oh, but oh, I was looking at oh. the bracket and there's so it could be like a Denmark a Denmark Germany <laughs> final, right? Yes, Denmark and Germany. Who's watching that? And don't tell me you know names. <laughs> Olaf Olga, Schmageggi is Olga really good. Schmidt. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I think they're just thrown in with everybody, and you can just play anyone. By the way, an email, an email poured in. Roger says there was a Marysville team. I guess this is for you. Yeah. There was a Marysville team in the mid to late 80s okay. that played in the Little League Softball World Series in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah, there's been a couple. That's I've Judge been Roger. Okay. And if Judge Roger says it, yeah. it's got to be true. That's right. By the way, I, um, as you know, my, my nickname is uh, Mr. Thoughtful around my house. It is? No, it's not. But <laughs> I, did, uh, I do have a gift for you. 
if you'd like. Yeah. Um, I'm, I like, you know, at, at this point, I'm horrible at guessing sizes. For some reason, I got you a shirt that was like four sizes too small. I didn't know you were built like Bobby Wagner all of a sudden here. I was like, oh, you're a medium. You're a little guy. But so if this is too small, I do have yeah. the receipt. Please take it back. Here you go. I'm throwing it to you. Oh, nice. Take a look. You don't have to wear it. And I do I have the receipt. Wear, how is it a medium? It's a large, but it, the extra large looked enormous. Is that too small? Are you telling me that's too small? That's not too small. You sure? No, it's a bedspread. <laughs> well, that's it's a right. picnic blanket. Like, no, it's fine. I, I wasn't going to go medium again. To this get is awesome. There you go. Do you want me to pay you for this? I don't. It's okay. Okay, but I want another one from the... Oh, is this the... I'll invoice oh, you. Oh, this is great. Now you can go to... This is great. I, I can't believe I'm doing ads for them, but Dick's and Issaquah is selling them for sure. I don't know if other Dick's are. You can order them online too if you want. Wow. Issaquah softball shirt. I'm there you go. I'm so... So happy for you guys. This Thank you. Really cool. It is fun. I can't wait to get games going, though. I'm like, let's go. Okay, before we talk about Seafair Weekend, Buckaroo, um, <laughs> no show next week. Seafair Weekend. It's a five-Monday month, August, so we're going to take next week off. I'm, I don't think I'm going to. I think I'm still going to do some P-shows for the patrons. Okay. I think I'll still do, like, the Danny show. In fact, I have to do the Danny show after. I don't know if you've been following. The Danny Jim Moore thing has blown up. Oh, it has. It's all over social See, media. I haven't gotten to that oh, yet. Oh, it's crap. It's what do you haven't gotten to what? Well, I heard the first one that you guys well, that's did. A, that's a, he's now written an article <laughs> and it's blown. <laughs> really? Oh, 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 I'm so like not oh. dialed in. People I, are taking shots at it. It's, I mean, it's, oh, it's gotten actually, wow. a little, it's actually gotten a little dicey. And uh, we did a show when I was I was in Whistler last week. So Danny and I did kind of a I did a kind of a test run. I've never been out of here mm -hmm. to do a, a show or to do anything for that matter. True. Yeah. True. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I think I'm still going to do patron shows next week. Okay. But there will be no regular show that drops. So August. What did I tell you? August 15th. August 15th. The day after my mom's 87th birthday. I'm going to be with my mom okay. on her 87th birthday in Florida. We will not have... Oh, no. Did I did I make that? Did I mess? Yeah. We will not have a show that drops on August 15th. The next show that you and I will do together yeah. will be August 22nd. Hopefully, we'll do together. Okay? Gotcha. So, I wanted to say that. I want everybody to know to please, please, please subscribe, listen, and rate us. Yes. Please... On Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and tell us what you like and post a review. It really helps. Mm -hmm. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron at $5 a month. You know how to do that. MitchUnfiltered.com. If $5 a month is problematic for whatever reason, as I like to say, the $5 is not meant to scare people away. If you want to listen yeah. to me and Danny talk about Jim Moore now. Yeah, you have which to is now. now. Yeah. I mean, that Slick was Slick Hawk and the NFL. So, so I figured we would take one we would take one week off because we've got the stretch run in Major League Baseball and we've got we've got the NFL stuff. Yeah. The NFL stuff's now starting. And so this will be the last chance that we get a chance, the last chance that we get a chance to take a week off before we get into beat the boys and the NFL oh, yeah. and the here Seahawks. And here we go. Yeah. And the stretch run of Major League Baseball. Okay? Gotcha. Okay. Um... Oh, I wanted to tell you, I wanted to tell you what I told Slickhawk on the shooting the shit show on the Patriot show. So I am leaving Tuesday this week. When you're in Greenville, North Carolina, yeah. I will be in Washington, D.C. Oh, right. In-laws, yeah? In-laws gotcha. first and then down to Florida for my family. Okay. Okay. For my mom. And 
a couple of months ago, I think it's a couple of months ago already, six weeks, eight weeks, my father-in-law, who's a lifelong Washington Nationals fan, or lifelong Washington baseball fan, gotcha, yeah. the Senators, and then when Montreal came, he got season tickets. He doesn't have them anymore, but he's got credits and so forth. And a couple of couple of months ago, when he knew we were coming, he said, how about you and Brett, because Max isn't going, how about you and Brett come with me to a Nationals game while you're here? And we were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. And he said, we're going to go on Friday, whatever it is, April or August, whatever that is, yeah. 12th. We're like, okay. We didn't even know who they're playing. It didn't really matter. It's Grandpa Herbie. We're going to go with Grandpa Herbie to a baseball game. We're going to watch the Washington. Maybe a park you've never been to. I don't know. Have you been there before? Oh, I've been there many, many times. Oh, oh that's right. You yes. lived in D.C. I forgot about that. Oh, no, no. I didn't live there when they were there, but I've had a, grand, I've had a father-in-law for okay. a lo long time. And so... We're going to go. And as we've gotten closer and closer, I thought, nah, I should check to see who they're playing. Yeah. Not that it really matters. Right. It's, I mean, they suck. <laughs> they don't even have, I can't even go see one Soto Soto play. Right, right. right? But whatever, we're going with Grandpa Herbie to a ball game. That'll be fun. Yeah. So I checked a couple of days ago to see who they're playing on that Friday night. You're not going to believe who they're playing. And it's not the Seattle Mariners, so don't say Seattle Mariners. Okay. They are playing the San Diego Padres in Soto's first game back wow. since he's been traded on that Friday. That's the game we're going to. That's magical. <laughs> That's magical that that happened. Can you believe that? No, I cannot. That's amazing. That, so that's, there you go. Like, if you had to pick one game out of one 162 game, the rest for them. Of the year, for them, they stink, whatever. <laughs> it would be the one game that's, that Soto comes back so we can see. Unreal. Are they going to cheer him? Are they going to boo him? Love it. He didn't take the $400 million contract. He kind of forced his way out, but he helped him win a world championship a couple years ago. Yeah. Will it be mixed? Will it be A-Rod? <laughs> Will they be throwing? Remember when we the money, the, the money, the oh, dollar yeah, bills? Coming the, down. I don't, I don't know. Scott Boris Klein, I don't know. But we're awesome. going to be there. That's incredible. Just totally coincidentally, we're going to be there. Now, you already have tickets, right? He already, already have tickets. Okay, I want to make sure. We're that going with Grandpa Herbie. <laughs> He's not planning on walking up that day to get him. Well, <laughs> Grandpa Herbie, when he finds out it's a it's the one game that people want to go to, maybe he'll replace Brett and Mitch and get some guys <laughs> that he really cares about. I don't right. know. <laughs> I don't. Uh, anyway, I wanted to share that with you. Uh, uh, how'd you like Seafair Weekend, Buckaroo? I loved it as much as I did last year. It was awesome. Are you? A, I mean, you're a you're a you're a seafarer guy, right? No. When I was single, perhaps I'd be out there on a boat log for twelve boom. hours of drinking. All I hear about is fist log fights booms. and log what is, booms. What is, what is, and, yeah. I don't even know what a log boom is, but I hear about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, the, the log boom's insane. That's that's where like all the party people go. Got it. But I'm a married guy now. I don't. Yeah, I, I like to stay out of trouble. Do you if hear I can. the? Do you hear the um, Blue Angels? Yeah, when they're. When they're rehearsing on like the Thursday or yeah. Friday. It's pretty cool. And then you can't really get anywhere on I-90. Yeah. Because it's a pain in the ass because they either close it or yep. people are looking up or whatever. Do you still get into the Blue Angels? They fly really close together. I don't know if you've seen this. And they're kind of, it's kind of syn synchronized. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen the it's Blue really, Angels. Really I've nice. lived here my whole life. Yes. Yeah. I'm familiar with them. <laughs> one time, one time, maybe 10 years ago, we had yeah. these, these friends invited us out on their boat. And I think it was the day that they were rehearsing. It wasn't the seafair, whatever. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to go out on a boat. I don't really know them that well. It's a long day and Piper's yeah. little. Yeah. But we did it and we're out on Lake Washington and those things come racing towards you and it really is breathtaking to see. I don't want to do it again. It was a long day, but if you've ever had those things come flying at you and then it's... It makes you happy that they're on our side. <laughs> Those kinds of planes. I have two <laughs> lovely memories, and I say lovely with my tongue 
firmly in my cheek. Yeah. Two lovely memories of Seafair weekend. Bernie Little and I were on the <laughs> log boom. Yes. Yes, Silver Fox. Go, Silver Fox. <laughs> Um, the one that I went to when I first came to town and they made Wheels and I like broadcast live on a Saturday or Sunday. And I literally called my agent, Ellen Beckwith, and said, if they ever ask me to do this again, I'm leaving. Yeah. I think I might have run I'm the board ripping, for that show. I'm ripping the contract. I will never yeah. do this again. I remember parking was a big thing with you. Like, where the hell parking. am I going to park? Parking was just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> I was like, if this is what my career is going to be in Seattle, yeah. being at this I'm done. That's the one. That's the one memory. And then the other memory I have, which is just brutal, was and I I, I believe that it, it must have been Max. Max must have been. He must have been three months old. Oh, okay. So this would have been 2002. Okay. Max, I believe, was born in 2002. You're gonna do my math. Yeah. So it's August, He was born in May, and it was August of 2002. I don't even know why I'm telling this story because it's really not that interesting. But hey. Um, and Grandpa Herbie and Grandma Sandy were in town from Washington, and we decided we wanted to take them for lunch on that Friday of Seafair weekend. Oh, no. And we took them. I remember we went. What's the place that we like that's in West Seattle on the water there that's really nice? Salty's. Salty's. I think we went to Salty's for lunch. Oh, that's, a, that's a nice lunch right there. Okay. How long do you think with a wailing, crying three-month-old... Do you think it took at one o'clock in the afternoon to get from Salty's West Seattle yeah. to Newcastle, where we were living at the time, with bridges closed? Oh, Max is God. in the back seat, just wailing, oh. not stopping. Wailing. I, I, I swear, I think it took two and a half, three hours. Oh, the worst. And I was like, what? I didn't even understand. I didn't even get it. <laughs> if, if your love of Seafair wasn't enough, then you just tack that right on top of it, huh? And it's over. No can do on yes, Seafair. So that's, <laughs> yes, I have that memory. Anyway. Got that going for you. Uh, guests of episode 202, and then we'll start it. We're just kind of warming up right now. We'll start it in earnest. About a year or two ago, we had a guy named Fred Clare on the show. You may or may not remember that. Sounds familiar. He was a 30-year Los Angeles Dodger employee. He was the he was the general manager with Tommy Lasorda. When Tommy Lasorda right. died, he came on. Real, real interesting baseball guy in his mid to late 80s now. Yes. And he came on to talk about Tommy Lasorda and tell Tommy Lasorda tr stories. I thought, I said this producer, Steve, maybe he'll come on and talk about Vin Scully. Yeah. So Fred Clare is going to talk about Vin Scully. Nice. Great. Okay. I mean, there can't be too many... People walking the earth who know Vin Scully better than him, right? I mean, he was there forever. He was so. there for just to give you an idea. Fred Clare was there for 30 years. Okay? okay. He started in 1969 with the Dodgers and he finished in 1998. So 30 years as vice president and GM and marketing. He was, he was everything, but he was a, a critically acclaimed GM. Okay. 30 years. Think about this for a second. When he got there in 1969, Fred Clare, Vin Scully, his career in the booth for the Dodgers was in its 19th year. Okay. No, no, no. I'm not. No, I haven't finished. The, right. I haven't given you the, the, the capper. All right. Okay. So he was already 19 years into right. his career. Clare comes in 69, spends 30 years with the Dodgers, leaves, 
And Scully goes another 18 years afterwards. <laughs> That's crazy. That's insane. He was there 19 <laughs> years before Claire got there. Claire goes Unreal. for 30 years. And Scully's there 18 years after Claire leaves. Crazy. 67 years. Unreal. I think that's the number. 67 years. I think he started in 50. I think it was 50 to 2017. Four years ago, yeah. Five years ago, yeah. 60. Imagine being at one job for 67 years and being at the top of the game. And still had to pay for parking every month. (laughs) Couldn't even get his own parking spot. (laughs) No, that's you. At Clear Channel. He had to go out in between innings and move the car so he doesn't get a ticket. Like you used to do during commercials. So Fred Clare will tell Vin Scully stories. Jason Churchill, prospect insider, returns to talk Mariners as they as they finish up with the Anaheim Angels. And 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 these series have got to be a little bit cleaner because they're playing the one of the worst schedules, one of the worst record schedules. The remaining of the year, they have one of the easiest schedules. They got to beat up on the bad teams. It's time to start beating up on the bad teams. That anyway, that scares me when I hear that. Oh, they got an easy schedule. We do it with the Seahawks. We do it with the Mariners. Well, and then- I mean, does it not matter? They're playing after they get rid of the Yankees series this this week. They're going to play like umpteen series against teams that are like 25 games under 500. It should matter. It should matter. Yeah, it should. We'll see if it does. Better. Jason (laughs) Churchill, Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider on something many of us have been ignoring, the Seahawks. (laughs) Can I give you a a quick text from uh, Patron Ben? Uh Uh-oh. Patron Ben. He's texting you? Patron Ben is texting you? Well, he's like, we live in the same neighborhood. What What does Patron Ben have to say? So he he actually went to the scrimmage at Lumen Field. We are at Lumen for a Seahawks scrimmage game. Oh, Drew Locke bobbled the first snap and running back fumbled the ball on the second exchange. Going to be a long season. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, yeah. Oh, God. I, you're probably not wrong about that. Drew Locke bobbled the first snap. Oh, Here geez. we go. Oh, He's the backup quarterback. Fred Claire, Jason Churchill, Brady Henderson, the guests on this episode 202. But before we begin... And we send you off to Greenville, North Carolina for the Little League World Series. The Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage interest rates have leveled off and even dropped a skosh. Let Jordan Flowers Cross Country team aid you in your purchase or refinance. Second homes, seven minutes is all you need. My man, Jordan Flowers, 425-890-2957, 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, and experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, amazing how much Zeke's has grown since we started the podcast four years ago. In the midst of some real tough times, Seward Park opens its doors. Brand new location. And the biggie at Mount Lake Terrace Station is just about ready. Homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, a Northwest staple for the best steaks and seafood. A family-owned company and some of the most spectacular outside seating options this summer. If you visit Daniel's, make sure you snap a picture and send it to me. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. I fully understand that we're not thinking about staying warm in the winter, when it's so damn warm outside right now, but the perfect time to think about a new fireplace is actually right now. Begin your search with John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions because they're amazing 
and they're such great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Begin your search for a new fireplace at firesidehomesolutions.com. Episode 202 begins right now. Unfiltered. Joe Schmo could make an argument to you. You wouldn't agree with it, but he could say, ah, if, if he's only going to mean a playoff series more than I would not have given up Marte Arroyo and all those guys. But if we have a shot to go deep with this guy and win a world championship, well, then I'm going to sing a different song. Unfiltered. When you picked up Twitter and you found out that one of the top Broncos wide receivers had gone down with a season-ending torn ACL. Our audience deserves to know what was your honest-to-God first... I see you smiling over there. What what was your honest-to-God first reaction? Mitch is unfiltered. All right, episode 202, Hot Shots, God. Yes. Officially underway, and... I was going to say I have a little problem, but that just tees you up to say one little problem. <laughs> I mean, right. It's going to be a long show if we get into your problems. Okay. We are the Smothers Brothers. <laughs> right. We work off each other. <laughs> I know. Right. You know what I'm going to say. Anyway, what is it about the the clickbait? See what they look like now. <laughs> yeah. That gets me every I, effing time. I love it, too. But I feel like I I've learned my lesson. Stop. You can't stop. I, and not only can I not stop, but I can't not click on it. Like just the other day, it says Michael from Good Times. Were you? You, you may be too young a to remember. Had young. See, yeah. I was. That was. That was kind of in my wheelhouse. Okay. Jimmy JJ Dynamite. Oh yeah, sure. Walker, yeah, Good yeah. Times. Yeah. So he had, he had a little brother in the series. Michael. Okay. Was always the goody goody. JJ was always getting in trouble. Gotcha. But Michael was a goody goody. Um, Janet Jackson was on the show. It says, you know, there's a picture of young Michael. I haven't seen his picture in years. Sure. And it says, look what Michael looks like now. Oh, I can't wait. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I gotta click that. Yeah. Three hours later. <laughs> right. The question is, did you ever get to Michael? I'm with Blair on uh what is that? What Facts, that of life? Facts of yeah, Life. Lisa Welch. I'm, I'm with Tootie. Oh, I love Tootie. I, I got Fred. I even know what Fred Savage looks I mean, I it's just, I mean, I before you know it. Little Michael from good. All I wanted to know was what Michael looked like. Yeah. I didn't have to spend three hours looking at every child star and what they look. And by the way, it's totally depressing. I yes. find those things, the payoff on those things, because maybe I'm in a stage in my life that I'm feeling my mortality. I'm feeling more than middle age crisis. Yeah. When I see Michael look like kind of death warmed over. <laughs> That's nice. No. <laughs> Poor Michael. But just looking at Michael, who's like older than me, and he's like, I don't know, in his 60s and whatever. Uh, I know, it hurts. Oh. It hurts. And yet I, I, I click it every time. I yeah. can't not click it. See, it, gotcha. it irritates me because they don't give them to you like in a list. They always make you click to another page, another page. Like each person has their yeah. own. I, I just like, am I giving these people 50 clicks? Really? <laughs> Is that what I'm doing? It's what kind of annoys me. And then you can probably just Google him, what he looks like now, and somebody will maybe throw it up there. But no, it is sad. I was watching Real Time with Bill Maher. Do you know David Duchovny? You probably weren't an X-Files guy, but yeah. you can picture David Duchovny. Of course, of course I can. I mean, he, he looks fine, but boy, did he look old. I just haven't seen him for a while. Oh, he looks old now, you're saying? Yes, he was on Friday's episode. I just have a very simple request for these people that do. I, I, I'm assuming there are companies that do this. Yeah. and. 
and they sell advertising and they sure. get you every time. My, my simple request is this. If it says, look what Michael from Good Times looks like now, yeah. and I click it, and I go through a couple of old pictures from him from Good Times, and then I get to the way Michael looks like at 70, yeah. and I'm depressed, <laughs> why can't the next slide be, okay, why can't it say, okay, you know what Michael looks like now, now get back to work? <laughs> no way, man, they got you. They got you. They Why do they have to take me to Blair? <laughs> yeah, they don't and want Tootie. <laughs> Why do I have to go through, you know, different strokes? And... I know it's it is fun though. I anyway, but yeah, it is kind of depressing. Like, look what Daisy Duke looks like oh, now. I'm like, God. do I need to see this? Yes, you do. I know, but I kind of like remembering Daisy Duke the way she was. Yeah, but Daisy, nah, I shouldn't go there. Daisy Duke is actually an interesting story. She is because she was the longtime live-in girlfriend. Oh, of now a husband of a former coworker. I don't want to get to. I let's let yeah. Let's, but I think. But yeah. I, I actually know what you're talking. Do you about. know what I'm talking about? And a former coworker. I've actually talked to her about it. I forgot. Yeah, I yeah. told him until you brought it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's cool with it. She oh, knows. Yeah, of course it. she is. Yeah, yeah. She's not uptight. It's kind of her claim to fame. <laughs> Everyone's got to have one. <laughs> hey, that's pretty cool though that that he left Daisy Duke for you. Daisy Duke. In her prime. By the way, yeah. It wasn't the Daisy Duke that look what she looks like now. <laughs> By the way, who I, think I, I, I think I think that could, Daisy. I think I could this get... This was Daisy Duke like in her yeah. heyday, like when she was on every Ex Friday night. Right. I know. It's impressive. But by the way, I think I could get Daisy Duke now <laughs> at some point. Like on the show or like... No, get, I, I, like, I think like, I could I could date her if I really... If I ran oh into her. Gosh. She must be like 75, right? At some point we... Yeah, I guess she is. I don't want to think about it, but anyway, yeah. yes, Daisy Duke. Anyway. I, I do love all that clickbait stuff. Well, there, there's one, there's one good thing about me going down the rabbit hole of look, <laughs> see what they look like now. Yeah. It postpones the inevitable of me reading stories like this from the Athletic. Now you've heard me talk about the Athletic. You love it. I absolutely adore the Athletic. Yeah. Great, great assortment of writers. Great stories. Just great. I, I mean, I can't, I can't recommend it anymore. We've had a lot of the writers and authors on the show. Um, it's like America's newspaper, but you have to, you have to subscribe to it. Yeah. But I really didn't need to see this one story that I saw this week. Oh boy. It's just not healthy for me <laughs> to read a story about Shohei Otani staying put at the trading deadline. Now you ask. What was it about the story, Mitch, that makes it just not something you would have liked to have read? Yeah. Within the story in The Athletic, the author of the story spoke to a Major League Baseball executive who asked to remain nameless oh boy. about what the future looks like for Shohei now that he was not traded by the Angels at the deadline. And the stories go that Artie Moreno, the billionaire owner of the Angels, yeah. said no. No, we're not. No, we're not trading him. But ultimately, he may be forced to trade him either this offseason with one year left or next year with a half a year left right. at the trading deadline. You can't just have him walk. That we can't do. I don't think you can right. unless Artie Moreno is under some false sense of security that he's just going to sign him for $50 million a year. I don't know. But he remains an angel for the time being. Yes. And I had to read this from a Major League Baseball executive that prefers to remain nameless okay. to the athletic. And I quote, he was asked 
What do you think Shohei does if he stays an angel until his contract currently expires? Where does he sign in free agency? Yeah. And here was the answer from Major League Baseball executive who remains, who who prefers to remain nameless. Yes. I don't think he's an East Coast guy, and I quote, my first instinct is to say the Dodgers or the Giants, but I actually don't think he would go to the Dodgers just because it would look like he's sticking it to the Angels whom he loves. Oh, fair enough, yeah. I really could see him going to Seattle. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes, so but, could I. But definitely West Coast. Seattle's my guess. Okay. Oh. Did I need that? No, you didn't. It's a year and a half away. I know. I now will literally, as a as a suffering Mariners fan, not even long suffering like most of our listeners, but a 25-year suffering Mariners fan, I now will think about this. Do they not know who they're dealing with, the reader that they're dealing with? I will now think about this every day right. for the next year and a half. Yeah. Every day I will I will fantasize about Shohei Otani both pitching and hitting for your Seattle Mariners. Oh. And I know what people are saying. Hey, he was supposed to come here the first time around. Yeah. They got outbid by the Angels. It looked like, you know, whatever. They lost him the first. Anyway, and, and and so not only will I be thinking about that, but it also gets me thinking about just how interesting. You, you realize he will be a free agent after the 2023 baseball season. Okay. So we're in the 2022 season. Yep. There's one more year. That would be 2023. Yes. And he'll become a free agent. And I was thinking this article kind of, again, down the rabbit hole of look what they look like now. <laughs> Guess what they look like now. Yeah. I start thinking about that offseason after next year. And I have concluded in my, my own warped mind <laughs> that that offseason is going to be one of the most interesting, pressure-packed offseasons in Mariners baseball history. Well, I thought you were going to say league-wise. You're, you're talking no, about the Mariners. I'm talking about the Mariners. Wow, I mean, okay. Okay, play with me on this in segment one. I'm and then we'll And we'll get to the guests and we'll get to the other stuff. But play with me on this. They're right now in a wild card spot in 2022. Mm -hmm. You would think with the addition of Luis Castillo and getting Hanniger back and Julio's on his way back at some point, you would think that they are better than 50-50. They may have been better than 50-50 without the Castillo trade. Yeah. You have to think that they're a betting favorite to reach the playoffs in 2022 as a, as a wild card. I'm with right? you. Yep. Okay. Now they come to the end of the season. They get to the wild card. Let's say they don't get out of round one, or they do get out of round one, but they don't obviously go to the World Series. They're not good enough. They're good enough to get in the playoffs, but they're not good enough to go. Okay. Now they get to the offseason. Virtually every player comes back except for Mitch Hanniger. He's a free agent, okay. right? I may be missing somebody. But the young guys are now a year older. Kirby, after his start on Saturday, a year older. Yep. Logan Gilbert, a year older. Julio, oh. now a full... I'm talking about the start of the 23 season. Yeah, yeah. They probably go out and they add some hitting through free agency or yeah. trade. Winker has to be better next year than he was this year, I would think, unless he's about to go on some sort of a spurt. But you, Castillo now in his first full season with the Mariners. Robbie Ray in his second full season. Oh, You would think that in 2023, they may not be Houston good. But if they don't step in shit, yeah. you'd figure they would be 
on everybody's short list to be in the playoffs and maybe do damage in the playoffs. Yeah. That's 23. So now you've come off of, what do we just say? Two playoff runs, maybe some playoff series wins, getting close to the World Series, and now the offseason of 20, between 23 and 24 come. Yeah. Luis Castillo, contract up. Yep. Shohei Otani, contract up. Oof. Mariners have momentum. They've got all these young pieces. Yeah. Now Kirby's better than ever, and Logan Gilbert's better than ever, and Robbie Ray is still under contract, and Julio's making all-star teams, and maybe some of the younger guys, and now you are in the offseason between 23 and 24. <laughs> I would think if you're John Stanton, you have to get one of the two guys. Luis Castillo resign. At that point, he'll be asking for $35 million a year. He'll be 31 years old. Otani will be asking for $50 million a yeah, year. She for more. And, and, and you, as the Mariners, have now all this momentum that if you don't get one of those two guys, wah, wah, <laughs> right. it just stops. Yeah. Huge. I, I, maybe, maybe I'm being overly dramatic. No, I don't think so. But I feel like that that offseason between 23 and 24 yeah. is going to be I don't know where we'll be. God, God hope I'm still doing the podcast or living. <laughs> You'll be going to, to the juniors or the right. intermediate People will be World Series. looking at websites of, look what Scott and Mitch look like now. <laughs> right. We're going to look way different in two years. But I, I know. That could be a monster, stressful offseason for the Mariners. So how old's Otani at that point? Good question. I mean, we could probably, there's only a way to figure uh, that out. I don't know that they have that on the internet yeah, these days. I don't know. I'm afraid to send you to find out because you may look to see what Blair looks like now. <laughs> Get stuck? Yeah, tell me. I, I would think that he'd be... He is 28 years old. He just turned 28 on July 5th. So, 30. He'll be 30 years yeah, old. And he's, gonna, he's literally going to sign a, a, an eight-year, $400 million contract. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna be 50 million, minimum 50 million. Minimum. Years, unless something happens where he gets hurt, he can't pitch anymore. I don't know. That's going to be fun. I know. And the, the Mariners can help themselves out. If they, if they do what you think they will or think they should, you know, make a little run in this offseason, I mean, in this postseason and the following postseason, make an even deeper run and convince the Mariners to spend a little money. But, yeah, if they, if they, if they don't do that, then you can just kiss the Otanis of the world goodbye, right? I mean, they're going to have to help themselves out by making some noise in the playoffs. They're going to have to help themselves out in the playoffs, yeah. but they are really going to have to help themselves out in post in in the off season in the hot stove league. Yeah. They're going to have to go out because look, they they have a chance. It, 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 for all intents and purposes, we know the rotation next year, and we love it. Yeah, to start the season without having to know anything. None of these guys are free agents. We know Robbie Ray. We know, and you know, Robbie Ray sucked for the two starts after the All Star game, but the five or six before and the two since, he's been pretty good. Not pretty good, outstanding. Yeah. We know we're going to love Luis Castillo. He was great in his first start. We know that they've got two aces, followed by Logan Gilbert, maybe an All Star. Yeah. Flexen's coming back. Kirby's coming back. Yeah. Young guy. Their rotation, they don't have to do any, their rotation is set. And it's going to be one of the best in baseball riding right into the 2023 next year. Yeah. All they got to really do during this offseason is A, make sure the bullpen is sound and B, go out and get a hitter or two. I know we say that every single year, but <laughs> but but we haven't had this. We haven't had the rotation like this. 
where you say to yourself, I am in, I'm perfectly content with Correct. these five next Correct. year. And an, another thing that we haven't had like this would be a team that if you do nothing is already a playoff team. When was the last time you could say that as a Mariners team? It's true. Where they're, they're heading into the offseason. Yeah, Mitch Haniger is probably going to leave, whatever. They're going to probably have to give Julio a huge contract in the offseason. But they're going to go into the year next year where before they do the first thing, they're a playoff team. That hasn't happened in 20-something years. Yeah, that's right. They're starting with a playoff team. Everything they do will be building on a playoff team. Unreal. So I'm ready. You got me looking forward to 2024 already. <laughs> I can't wait. Off-season. Call me when that happens. I don't know. I'll be there. What do I know? <laughs> all right, three interviews. I think you'll like them all uh, if you stick with them. Fred Clare, 87 years old in October, still sharp as a tack. He's Love the it. former longtime Dodgers GM who's going to talk about working with Vin Scully, his lifelong friend. Jason Churchill, prospect insider, to talk Mariners. Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider to talk about just how bad the Seahawks are. Why are we laughing when you talk about the Seahawks? It's crazy. Remember how excited we were? We're doing like viewing parties and Marshawn's back and the town's on fire for this team. What, three years ago, two years ago? And now we just sort of giggle when you bring up the Seahawks. That's sad. That's really sad. Well, it hasn't started. Can't we wait to be sad? Well, Why do we have to be sad now? I don't know if I'm sad. I think it's, it's, it's sort of sad the way people are looking at this team already. They haven't played a game. Maybe they'll be good. Who knows? But it doesn't feel that way, does it? <laughs> it just doesn't. <laughs> and then the other stuff segment. Hey, look who's back with us. I'll be damned if it's not traveling Dan Black, president of Zeke's Pizza. Hard to get him pinned down on Mitch Unfiltered. Where you been this summer, Dan? All right. Traveling Dan Black must be like my seventh <laughs> nickname from you. So we'll go with it. Summer, the weather finally got good, so I've been trying to get outside as much as possible. My family goes to uh, Roach Harbor and then a place called Priest Lake in North Idaho, so those are kind of our summer spots, and so it's been you know fun doing that all summer. How do you live without Zeke's Pizza at those places, or don't you? I just take it on the road with me. We do, uh, <laughs> we do it baked but not sliced, which is our version of uh, take and bake, so we actually do take a couple on the road with us and just throw them in the oven. They actually travel really well. Very nice. Lots of good things happening over at Zeke's while you've been traveling. Seward Park opening. Terrace Station and Mount Lake Terrace opening. These are two cool new spots, Dan. Yeah, we're really excited about them both. They're both going to be the full Zeke's experience. They're full-blown pizza pubs with nice beer bar, spirits, outdoor patios, really beautiful build-outs on both of them, owners that are really active. And so they're going to be great community hubs, and it's going to be a great place to just have the full Zeke's experience. So it's going to be great. We've had some hot days here in the Northwest this summer. What are we eating? What are we drinking, the Levies and the Blacks at Zeke's this summer, Dan? I don't know what the Levies are eating. You'll have to tell me. But (laughs) what we've been doing, I think I mentioned we have a a great collab beer going with Fremont Brewing called Z-Side Frozen IPA. It's a fresh hop-tasting beer, but you can get it in summer, which is unusual. And so... We've been drinking that. I've been throwing crowlers of that in my cooler. That beer goes really great with spicy pizzas, so we've been doing Taiwan on, Dragon, Cherry Bomb, stuff like that. What have you been eating? We're a big chopped salad. We're big Zeke's Pizza chopped salad fans here in the family, minus the garbanzo beans. No, hold the garbanzo beans. Yeah, what do you got against garbanzo beans? Uh, a lot. Okay, no, yeah, no, we, we, we keep track of people like you. We'll just know we uh, chop without garbanzo beans. That's the Mitch Levy now. Yeah, so. the Mitch Levy. Zeke's Pizza, great supporters of Mitch Unfiltered. Lots of incredible things happening over there. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered.
and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, oh, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vince Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be. Episode 202 and our next guest spent 30 years with the Los Angeles Dodgers, many of them as general manager. And to think that Vin Scully preceded him by 19 years and then outlasted him by 18 tells you all you need to know about the voice that many call the best that ever was. Making his return to Unfiltered is Fred Clare. Mr. Clare, it's great to have you back. Wish it was under better circumstances. Well, uh, please refer to me as Fred, and um, the circumstances are uh, sad with the passing of Vinny, but he left such a great legacy. And really, for those of us blessed to know him, and uh, even the listeners got to know Vinny, got to know him well. We will honor that uh, legacy and, uh, and have fond memories forever. Do you remember meeting Vin when you joined the organization in 1969, Fred? I, I do uh, remember meeting Vin appropriately because Vin loved the place at Dodger Town in Vero Beach, Florida. Knowing uh, Vin and knowing the great history that he had already established. But what struck me from the outset and remained forever, because Vin and I knew one another, remained close after my Dodger days. So we were friends for 53 years. But what struck me more than anything was Vinny's uh, humility, his character, his absolute integrity. He was always, always a pleasure to be around. Uh, he always lifted your spirits. Then he had a way of bringing people together. And he not only brought individual friendships together, he brought a entire baseball community of Southern California and beyond together. Is it true that he didn't love the spotlight, Fred? Most of us that are in this business, whether it's my my layer of the business or broadcasters or play-by-play. -play. We all are, are hams on some level. He, he was a ham, but, but everybody says didn't love the spotlight all that much. Vinny uh, accepted it because he, he knew the business. He certainly knew the broadcasting business. He certainly knew the baseball business. But you would never... In 53 years, you would never hear Vinny mention any awards that he ever received. That's not really what was important to Vinny. He accepted them very graciously, including the Presidential Medal of Honor, including being selected as the top sportscaster of all time by the Sportscasters Association of America. And I looked at um, an email recently or emails from Vinny and uh, the email that um, is typical of Vinny. He was voted number one in Southern California sports or number one, whatever it may have been 
in a story in the Los Angeles Times, and I sent Vinny an email congratulating him. I said the um, the Times story simply reflects something all of, of your friends have known for years. You are number one. And Vinny's reply, and I will share, was Fred and Cheryl, your words mean more to me than any votes that I'll ever receive. That wasn't just because it came from me and Cheryl myself. That's who Vinny was. I think the most appropriate thing I can say about Vinny is in a special section in the Los Angeles Times saluting Vinny, Vin Scully, 1927-2022. And there's a quote, and this is the quote that was most important to Vinny. The main thing, I want people to remember me as a good man, a good husband, a good father, a good grandfather. That's the most important thing of all. Those aren't just words. That's who Vinny was. And having that philosophy, that's why he related to all of us, all of us who are a part of a family and having the goal to be remembered as a good person, a good husband, a good father, a good grandfather. That's the example that Vinny said. Tell the story about the young radio announcer that was nervous to ask Vinny for an interview that went 40 minutes. You remember that story? <laughs> well, you heard that someplace along the line, but it was typical of Vinny. Vinny never turned down a request to help someone. Never. There was a um, young fellow, a college student, who wanted to be a uh, sportscaster, I think was working part-time in a job where he was starting his career. Asked if he could interview Vinny. Came into Dodger Stadium, uh, introduced the young man to Vinny. Uh, Vinny sat down and did a uh, 30 to 45-minute interview uh, with the young man. Uh, The youngster came back to me shortly after. He was absolutely devastated. He had not hit the right button. He had not recorded the interview. He was heartbroken, uh, all but in tears. I went back to Vinny to explain what had happened, and Vinny said, have the young man come back in. We'll do it again. That is who Vinny was. That was the kindness, the compassion that he simply possessed and showed every day. I talked to his longtime partner and a dear friend, Ross Porter, the other day. And Ross said, in 28 years of being with Vinny, I mean, being every day, lunch, dinner, games, travel, airplane, he said, I never once saw Vinny turn down a fan. And that's why he captured, uh, he captured the fans uh, because they absolutely loved him. The, the LA Times had a headline when Vinny passed saying, voice of the Dodgers forever. And as I thought about it, and I thought that was very appropriate, But as I thought more about it, Vinny actually was, is, and I think always will be, the heart of the Dodgers. He was the heart of the Dodgers. And with all that being said, Fred, which I agree with wholeheartedly, he'll be remembered as the heart of the Dodgers, the voice of the Dodgers. Let's not forget that there were some other non-Dodger moments we will forever hear his voice. The ball gets through Buckner. I can hear it in my mind. Uh, When the Mets and the Red Sox played in that World Series. Montana to Clark. 
for the 49ers in the Super Bowl or to get the 49ers to the Super Bowl. It was not just Dodger moments that we'll remember from Vinny, Fred. Well, that is for sure. Vinny had that ability to capture a moment, and he captured it in an incredible way. He never tried to prepare a script of what might happen. He simply let the moment take place and captured Mm -hmm. the moment. You referred to error by a dear friend, Bill Buckner. Uh, Vinny's quote, if one picture is worth a thousand words, you have seen about a million words. Mm. On Gibson's home run, of course, in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. This was from the very beginning. In 1959, uh, when the Dodgers win the game to take them to the World Series, what were his words forever remembered by us who were following the Dodgers? Very simple, very much to the point. We go to Chicago. His timing was perfection. The thing a lot of people don't realize was that Vinny loved the game from the very outset. As he described, when he was eight years old, he became a fan of the game and he actually wrote that he wanted to become a sportscaster. So he was a fan before he was a sportscaster. And the relationships that he had, the history that he had, and being able to convey that with his wonderful intellect, with his wonderful words, (laughs) will never be forgotten. The storytelling was supreme. Nobody told a better story with great delivery, great rhythm, great timing. I try to tell stories. We try to have lots of people tell stories on this podcast. And if you're if you're an aspiring storyteller, you listen to Vin Scully weave through a Major League Baseball game, he could go five, six innings and tell you the same story and have you captivated. Fred, most ball players come and go through organizations and dare I say... They don't really have any idea who the radio or TV voices are. They're not that interested in many cases and have no relationship with them. I imagine during the Dodger years, that wasn't the case with players and Vin Scully. Oh, no. Vinny, from the very outset, imagine this. Vinny joins the Dodgers in 1950. At the age, I guess, of um, 22, his early 20s. And so here is this fabulous Dodger group of players, indeed the boys of summer. And he establishes not just good relationships, close relationships with Jackie Robinson, with Pee Wee, with Duke Snyder, with Gil Hodges, with Roy Campanella. He established personal relationships friendships, and he always dealt with it in a professional manner. That continued through all of the years. I I well remember days and days and days and years, over 30 years, Vinny coming into the ballpark. He would make his stops. He would walk by the concession stand. He would say hello to the the people in the concession stand. Uh, He would go down to the Dodger uh, clubhouse. He would say hello to Nobi Kawano or the clubhouse people. He would go onto the field. He would see and talk to the players. Everyone knew and respected Vin. 
because they knew he cared about the game and he could be trusted. But the one thing, when I say trust, the one thing Vinny never was, and young announcers should understand this, he was never, ever, quote, a homer. And that's why he won the respect of all of the visiting players Mm -hmm. through all of the years. And that comes out in their quotes now with his passing. Fred, tell the story of what Sandy Koufax said upon unveiling of his statue at Dodger Stadium. Well, Sandy uh, said two things. Uh, may sound rather strange in so many words, but he said, I enjoyed listening to Vin almost as much as I enjoyed playing. The other thing he said that puts it all in this perspective, it's perspective related to Dodger history. And one can go online and I believe see this. Sandy being honored with the statue before Vinny's passing, Sandy said, Vinny is the greatest of all time. There is no question. When you think of the Dodgers, and certainly you think of the Los Angeles Dodgers over all the years, Vinny is the greatest. Fred, it's wonderful to hear your voice. By the way, in advance, a premature happy birthday. I understand number 87 is coming coming soon, and I'm on my way to, to visit my mom for number 88, for her number 88. So I wish you a happy birthday in advance, and I tell you how much I appreciate and all of our listeners appreciate hearing your voice once again here on Mitch Unfiltered. Well, it's an honor on any day, and I appreciate your thoughts. It's an honor on any day to speak about a dear friend who uh, will always live in my heart. And uh, Cheryl and I absolutely love Benny and uh, feel so blessed to have had such a wonderful friendship over so many years. Thank you, Fred. Hey, good care. There's just no question that John Waterstrat, owner of Fireside Home Solutions, is one of my heroes. Why? Well, his team helped us reimagine our backyard patio with a brand new fireplace unit that's been awesome. And number two, he's the title sponsor of all major championship pools that have been incredible on Mitch Unfiltered. How's that for an intro, John? Well, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Thanks, Mitch. So what's new in the world of fireplaces and garage doors? I know during summertime when we're on golf courses, we're not thinking about fireplaces, but that would be a mistake if you'd like to have a new one come football season. That's right, Mitch. Can't express enough that during these warm months when we want to be warm and we want to be cozy, we're not thinking about those things while it's warm outside. But when we're ready to get to that fall season, that first crisp fall day, we want to be able to turn on our products, whether you need your serviced or you want to buy a new one. We're here. The schedule is a little bit looser, products becoming more available. And so great time to buy right now. Give us a sense of turnaround time as it compared to when we were in the in the heart of the pandemic, John. Yep. When we were the heart of the pandemic, it was six to eight weeks. We could probably get something done with less than two to three weeks now. Ooh. And so it's really good. Product again is available. Our installers are waiting to get some products in there. And again, it's a great time to buy. Because right now, if you wanted to get it done quickly, we can get you on the schedule pretty quickly. What I love about you guys is the process, how you came to our house a couple of times. 
you evaluated the space, and then you come up with different options for different budgets. That's what you guys do at Fireside. It's really important for us to help you design, select. And so coming to the showroom is just one part of the process. We want to be able to help you look at your space, help you design that perfect fireplace. And then again, make sure all the expectations are met so the installers know what they're doing and they can quickly and efficiently get that product put in your house. John, I'm not going to let you go. I know you're a huge Seahawks fan and local sports fan. What do you think the first post-Russell Wilson season is going to look like here in Seattle. A lot of pain? Uh, a little. I think it's going to be painful, but I think we're going to be presently surprised. I think our defense will be much improved. We'll start running the ball more. And as we looked at it back in the days, we won the Super Bowl. Defense wins championships. Fireside Home Solutions has been a major part of the reason why we are now more than 200 episodes into this journey. If you are a Mitch Unfiltered fan, you enjoy the show, then I ask one thing of you. Begin your search for a new fireplace unit at firesidehomesolutions.com. It's time for a visit from Daniel's Broiler CEO, Lindsey Schwartz. That's USC graduate Lindsey Schwartz. That's future Big Ten fan Lindsey Schwartz. Why did you let this happen? Hey, Mitch. Yeah, no, I, I never thought I would be a Big Ten fan. It is still getting my head around it. I will miss the traditions of the Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac of course, I'm also a Husky fan, so I'll miss if we don't get to play them as much. But I'm also super excited to go to the Big Ten. Uh, USC has just dominated all of those Big Ten schools <laughs> over the years. We've been to more Rose Bowls than anybody. We've won more Rose Bowls than anybody and really just, just kicked the crap. I don't care who it is, Ohio <laughs> State, Michigan, Penn State. Look it up. Oh. Those guys don't know what they're in for. Oh, gosh. I've always thought that your outside seating options at the Daniels Broiler locations were underrated. Yeah, we've talked about it. There's so many great options. Leshy, where you can have views of Lake Washington. You can see the sailboats. You can see Mount Rainier, Lake Union. You also see sailboats. You see the float planes. And Bellevue, way up high to see the Seattle skyline and the lake. You just can't beat it. What about those rare 90-plus degree days? Are they still comfortable on your outside seating locations? Yeah, you know, and we're having more and more of those, of course. We work really hard to make it comfortable. So we have awnings on all of our patios. Uh, we have umbrellas where we need them. We, we try to keep all the tables shaded and uh, make it as comfortable as can be. And if it ever gets too crazy hot, we've got great air conditioning for the indoor seating. So lots of great options. Every time you invite me over to Daniel's Broiler for dinner, which hasn't been in a long, long time, I should point out, You've always been the eight ounce filet guy in the summer, too. Does Lindsey Schwartz deviate? Does he go off the board during the summer? Well, we need to go to Daniel soon. I guess it has been a while. But um, yeah, I still like the eight ounce filet. I get the eight ounce Piedmontese a lot now, the grass fed, which is really good. Yep. But in the summer, for sure, my favorite thing is the Alaskan halibut. We get it fresh for a few months every year in the summertime, and it is just so good. I, I sometimes get salmon the rest of the year because we always have great salmon. But halibut in the summer, I order it every time. It's the best. And we always like to remind everyone that Daniel's legendary cocktail mixers, like the old-fashioned, are still available in stores locally and on Amazon, Lindsay. Yeah, they're doing great. Summertime is, is a great time for mixed cocktails. We still sell them at every QFC, at Certain Total Wine and Spirits, available on Amazon. I've been enjoying them in the summer, and they're doing great. An amazing partner, an amazing sponsor, an amazing friend, even though they're going to the Big Ten. Lindsay Schwartz, the Schwartz family, and Daniels Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Uh, 
Oh, that was lovely. Strikeout number five for Luis Castillo. To a pitch. Down the line. It's got a really good look to it. It is a grand slam for Jesse Winker. So the best the Mariners could do with the four games against the depleted Angels of Anaheim was a split at home. I wish they could do more, so do we all, but still in a wild card position as the Yankees are here this week. Jason Churchill returns to Mitch Unfiltered, episode 202. How are we doing? 202 episodes already. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. not bad. How about that? You ever running- think you're going to get to 200? I mean, this whole podcast thing, you know, I mean, I didn't think I was going to get all that time in radio and podcast <laughs> 200 episodes, man. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Oh. Four years. You've been traveling around doing some baseball things for Fox. Tell everybody what you've been up to. Yeah. So uh, for those that don't know, I get to uh, tag along with uh, Aaron Goldsmith when he does uh, Fox broadcast for Major League Baseball and college football until this year. So I was in St. Louis over the weekend. We were in D.C. for Cardinals Nationals the week before. Nice. Uh, St. Louis is pretty cool. So we were at the the one nothing uh, Saturday night game. At, uh, at Bush Stadium. It was a really fun game. A lot of great storylines, a lot of great things happening. So as we record this, the Mariners are in a virtual tie for second wild card in the American League. I just close my eyes because it's the kind of guy I am and visualize a first-round playoff series in Toronto, best of three, all three games in Toronto, and your $25 million a year pitcher is not allowed to make the trip because he's unvaccinated. Is that really going to happen? Are we going to slip in in the middle of the night and vaccinate him? Is he going to say, I, I heard that somebody else in baseball after the trading deadline said, all right, I'll get, I'll get back. What do you think's going to, how is that going to shake out? Or is are, are we not concerned about that? Yeah, that's, I mean, it, it has to be there in the back of your mind. I mean, there's certainly a chance that happens, but I think there's more than one reason that being the first one that, that everybody's going to think of why you don't want to play Toronto. I mean, there's a chance that, you know, that you're the third wild card and you go to Minnesota, that's a better matchup anyway. Like that oh. Toronto team can throw some big time power arms at you. And that lineup is really good. Not that Minnesota is you know, anything to sneeze at. That's a pretty solid ball club too, that added at the deadline, but they can't throw at you that lineup and that rotation at the top in games one, two, and three, and that kind of a wild card situation. So while you want to win as many, I mean, the ideal thing is for Seattle to catch Toronto. You're only what two, three games behind them catch Toronto, host those games and not worry about it. But yeah, that's a legitimate question to ask Mitch, you know, what's Robbie Ray going to do? And it makes the deal for Luis Castillo that much more important in case something like that does come down. Do you think they'll catch Toronto? Are they good enough offensively? They're clearly good enough on the Hill. The starting pitching has been great. For the most part, the bullpen has been really solid. It, it comes back to the same question every single year. Do the Mariners consistently generate enough offense to win enough games to be where they want to be? I think they can. I, I think they have to stay pretty healthy. And, it, you know, that's asking a little much these days, you know, for this club with Kyle Lewis and, and Mitch Hanniger, Ty France getting banged up. Julio banged up. We expect France to be okay. We expect Julio to, to be okay. And he should be coming off the, uh, the IL here in a couple of days, but you just never know what's going to happen, you know, especially with someone like Hanniger 
who in his entire career has only played a hundred games in a season twice, you know, and he's 31 years old. He's been around for six, seven years. Yeah. It just hasn't happened for him. And we know what kind of an impact bat he can be. We saw it last year and he had the big season with the 39 home runs, but if they get Mitch Hanniger for, you know, 85 to 90% the rest of the way, and they don't suffer any more significant injuries to that lineup. I think they can score enough runs to catch Toronto. The key to that is the schedule. And it's not so much Seattle, but it's Toronto having to run into, you know, the Rays and, and the Yankees, especially those two clubs And Baltimore has been a pain and I'm not sure if Boston's going to hang around, but if they do, you know, that's going to be a tough, uh, a tough series for them to take on. They're really no gimmies in the American league East. So yeah, they can catch Toronto. I, I'm not sure if I'd predict that, but they certainly can. There's a shot. Do you have a sense of what their best lineup will be? Now I know it'll depend upon right-hander, left-hander who's on the mound, mm. but if all these guys do stay healthy and Lewis is healthy and Hanniger's healthy and Julio comes back and Winker had a grand slam on Sunday. You have a you have a feeling as to what the best lineup to trot out there offensively is for the Mariners. Yeah, you know, I, I think the, the pitcher does matter, and it's certainly and it goes more than than uh, it goes a lot deeper than hand in this too, lefty righty. You know, th- this organization and around baseball teams are looking a lot deeper than that these days. They're thinking to themselves, all right, this guy, you know, we got a lefty on the mound who, you know, likes to use his slider that sweeps away from lefties. Well, Jesse Winker struggles with that. Maybe today's his day off. Like that sort of a thing is coming up a lot in baseball the last few years. And Seattle certainly uses those types of things, not just in who starts and who doesn't, but in which order they place these players, you know, in the lineup. And there's been a lot of studies on, you know, the batting order doesn't really matter all that much, but you know, when you're coming down on the last, you know, 50 plus games and every game matters, you know, to the magnitude that it does, even the tiniest of, you know, margins actually matter. So whether you, you bat Frazier lead off or you go back to Julio, those things matter. So I think, you know, at least, in most instances, you're going to want to see the offensive, you know, the guys with offensive histories in the lineup at the same time, even if that sacrifices defense early in the game and then go to the Dylan Moores and the Sam Haggerty's later to, uh, to, to, to get to run prevention and get to that bullpen. Let's talk about the trade deadline. Obviously on our shows, there's, there's been 200 of them. We've talked a lot about Luis Castillo, what the Mariners did, what they didn't do. I'm on record as saying I felt like they had to make that trade based on where they are, what they've been saying for years. Now they're here. Pooper, get off the pot. Yeah, it's a big price. Go get Luis Castillo for a year and a half. Let's see what happens. I've also said I kind of believe gun to head that in 10 years we'll probably look back at that deal and not like it so much Mm. because I'm not convinced that the Mariners, while Castillo's here, is really going to, you know, blossom into some World Series winner. And, you know, the other guys that they traded, we'll see what they are in 10 years. How did you like the Castillo? You and I have talked about Castillo way back when, before anybody knew him in Seattle. What do you think of the deal? Did they do enough? They went and got a couple of offensive pieces like Lamb. Did they do enough at the deadline? I think with Castillo, I liked the deal. It's hard to love the deal because the price was, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive. It's like going to the market and you're like, I need some ribeye. And they're like 49 95 a pound. And you're like, well, I got to have some ribeye. So I'm just going to pay it and be okay with it. That's kind of what Seattle did, you know, in the, in this instance, but they did get the best starting pitcher on the market. And I think one of the more underrated things this deal does 
for Seattle is it makes it very clear what the next steps are. And those next steps can't be until the off season now, but you go into the off season, no matter what happens with Mitch Hanniger's free agency, no matter what the club feels like they want to do with Kyle Lewis in the future, they have to go get offense. And that's really the only glaring weakness on this roster looking into 2023. So that is something that they were able to do with the Luis Castillo deal. And it covers for a situation like we were just talking about with Toronto where maybe Robbie Ray can't pitch in that series, but it also lines them up. You think about the top four in 2023, you go Ray Castillo, Gilbert and Kirby in some order. And it almost, I say almost, it almost doesn't matter who the fifth starter is, Mitch. It could be you, you know, it could be slick. It could be, you know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) throw someone like that. It almost doesn't matter. You're going to be able to, at least from a rotation standpoint and and that pitching staff as a whole, you're going to be able to compete for the division. Just go get the bat. So we're going to go, and and wait for them to spend money on the bats, and I'm gonna I'm gonna display to you how much of a beaten down Mariners fan I am, <laughs> because here's what's gonna happen: we're gonna be waiting and waiting and waiting for them to spend money on an offensive piece, the mm-hmm. last piece to the puzzle. And what they're gonna do is something that we want them to do, but then they're gonna use that as the excuse for not going out to get the piece. They're gonna give Julio Rodriguez a 10-year contract for an enormous amount of money. We're all going to be happy about that. And then when the season starts and they haven't gotten another piece offensively, they're going to say, but we did get our our future signed up Mm. for 10 years and we're going to go into the season again asking the same offensive questions. That that certainly could be the the PR result of that, but they did make legitimate competitive impact efforts to get Trevor story. They wanted to talk to Marcus Simeon and offer him market value. He got way above that to go to Texas and wouldn't even talk to Seattle because Boris wanted to get both of his guys to, to Texas for the, uh, for the huge money. But when you offer, when you're the high bidder essentially on Trevor story and he says, no, it's hard to ask the team to do a whole lot more than that in that particular situation. Okay. I think that changes a little bit this winter, Mitch, because when you look at the difference between the this club entering 2022 and the club entering 2023 and the Castillo deal and, and Julio's development has a lot to do with this. They're in a different position. Like we entered this year, like it's it's no longer about development. They're trying to win. And we, we're going to enter 2023. It's no longer okay, you want to be aggressive, but you want to measure it out. You you want to make sure that you're still smart about it. Now it's like what are we doing? Are we actually trying to win now? Because if you're telling me that I'll just bring up some names, I'm not saying they're, they're linked to these, the Carlos Correa's and the Trey Turner's and the Dansby Swanson's of the world guys that are shortstops. This is where Seattle's going to have to pull this, this commitment to JP Crawford at shortstop specifically completely off the table. Really? If your only way or your best way to add significant offensive pieces to this lineup is to go sign one of those shortstops and trying to get Carlos Correa to play second base just isn't going to work. Trying to get Trey Turner. It's not going to work. That's not going to happen. They're going to pass on Seattle for that reason alone, let alone all the other reasons to pass on Seattle. But if you can get one of those guys to sign with you and it means Crawford has to move to second base, that's just simply what you have to do. I understand the temporary. We're going to commit to this guy. He's a leader on our team. We give him the 50 plus million dollars. It's time to pull that off the table. But it's also time to be okay if you're the Seattle Mariners, if you're John Stan in that ownership group, and certainly if you're Jerry DePoto managing that budget to, I'm going to use the term overpay here, Mitch, but I don't really believe in it, but I think folks are familiar with that term. If you're telling me Carlos Correa is worth $200 million 
on the open market and it takes 225 to get them in Seattle, then you just yes. write the check. But my question is, if you do that, what does that say for the chances of getting Castillo re-signed for the long term? I think he's a free agent the same offseason as Shohei Otani is. There's mm -hmm. already some speculation that he might want to end up in Seattle some way, shape, mm -hmm. or form. If you give a guy like Correa $225 million, it's a pipe dream to think they're going to re-sign a starter for $35 million a year, or in Otani's case, $50 million a year. I mean, maybe, because when you look at the the way the rest of the roster and, and, and the farm system still actually looks pretty decent, um, you know, most of the guys are young, but it, they've built this to where right now, and even if they were to to sign Julio to a long extension, he's going to be dirt cheap for like the next three years, even on like a, a, a Wander Franco plus kind of a deal. He's going to be making a couple of million dollars dirt cheap. You're getting huge value there. Dirt cheap, George Kirby, dirt cheap, Logan Gilbert. You know what I mean? And they've never spent big in the bullpen. They're really, really good at that. So that opens up the opportunity to go out and do a Robinson Cano type of a thing and still be able to, 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 to kind of house a Felix Hernandez contract. That's oh. exactly what this organization has done before. What's the payroll then? But the problem is like, when you look back at those other teams, they had these middling contracts with some other guys and no other young talent that was performing around them. That, that payroll was good enough in 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17 to win 150 to $175 million with Jerry DePoto at the helm with the young players that they have right now going for them the next three, four years, you can spend 150 to $200 million, stay under the luxury tax and it'd be plenty. And you can do all of that grabbing a Correa and giving him 30 million a year, extending Luis Castillo housing, Robbie Ray's 20 plus million dollar contract and giving Julio an extension. You absolutely can fit that in without going over the luxury tax or really getting anywhere close because of the performance of some of these young guys like Cal Raleigh and Julio Rodriguez in the two arms. Two last questions. You can buy stock in one guy over the next 10 years, Logan Gilbert or George Kirby, but you can only buy stock in one of them. Yeah, I'm big on George Kirby here. And and if all of the things were equal, the service time is a year off. So it, you're going to grab Kirby there because of that extra year. And that's going to make that. a difference. That's but not, even if we just assume that. Yeah, forget right, that. Even if we just assume it's the same. I'm a big George Kirby guy. This is a guy who throws strikes with everything he has right now. Flat out simple. I mean, we could end it right there, Mitch. Throws strikes with everything. The stuff is just as good. Gilbert's fastball has more value, but now Kirby's introducing this two seamer. That's going to start evening things out a little bit. I believe in the breaking stuff, both of them slider and curveball. And he's taken a little bit more off the slider lately to get a little bit more break on it. Maybe it's more of a strikeout pitch when you can pound the zone and locate to both sides to play all quadrants of the strike zone with everything you have lefties, right? I mean, that's George Kirby right now. And he's okay. still 95 plus I'm Kirby okay. over Gilbert, even though it is pretty close. You follow the Mariners farm system as well as anybody. They've had Kirby graduate to the big leagues. They've had Julio graduate to the big leagues. Um, they've had Cal Raleigh graduate to the big leagues. Now they've made this big trade where they overpaid to get Castillo here, and they've sent away three of their top four or five prospects. I know they just went through a draft. Is there any reason to believe that the Mariners won't dip on all of these ratings. They were one, two, three on most of the farm system ratings a year ago. Now, are we back down to 12, 15, 18, or are they still good enough and deep, deep enough? 
Yeah, I think as we sit here right now, it's probably bottom third. And and the biggest oh. reason for it, yeah, and the biggest reason for that is and it's you know it's Jared Kelnick, Taylor Trammell, uh, also like off the grid. They're not considered prospects anymore, even though they're still you know essentially just as valuable in a lot of ways because they're available to you for you know minimum prices. But um, it, the the talent collection is still there to be in the middle of the pack or a little bit better, but a lot of it's far away. They don't have a lot of guys in that uh, high A, double A, triple A kind of heading toward like, you know, Martin Arroyo were a ball and a plus. And now I think the best guy, they, the, the two best guys they have above a ball uh, are in, are in Arkansas. And that's Emerson Hancock and Bryce Miller. There's just not a whole lot else in double A right now. So the biggest issue is that it's just three, four years away, but the talent itself is still there. Who's number one. Who's their number, number one, one for guy? me is, Who's is Harry Ford, the first round okay. pick from, right. from a year ago. Okay. Yeah. He's a, catcher. he's a catcher who, yeah. if, you know, for some reason, you know, you don't think he can catch or his bat's going to outrace, you know, his defensive development. Maybe he could play second base or third base for you, but he's got 60 grade tools across the board. It's just going to take a little while for, for those rankings to catch up. But I'm a big, the rankings don't matter, Mitch, because you still have all this young talent at the major league level that you control for years. We just talked about Cal Raleigh and the two arms in the, in the rotation and Julio Rodriguez out in center field, Jason Churchill prospect insider on Twitter, baseball things is the name of the podcast. How many are we doing each week these days? We, we do two a week, you know, occasionally you might get three from me. If nice. you know, I kind of get a bug, you know, and, and things are going on. So trade deadline draft, sometimes you get an extra one out of me, but haven't, uh, I haven't, I stand by the mailbox waiting for an invitation. <laughs> All right. I stand right, by it. it. I wait. I hold my breath. <laughs> I figure, geez, if I have him on enough, at some point it'll like occur to him. Hey, I should have Mitchie on the on the uh, Baseball Things podcast. It's a good point. I'm really bad with getting <laughs> guests, Mitch. I really am. You know, it takes time and effort, and you do it so well. Uh, I'm so bad at it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, follow him on Twitter. Listen to Baseball Things, and we'll have him on from time to time throughout the stretch run and into the playoffs, hopefully, of the Major League Baseball season. He is Jason Churchill. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for being on. You got it, Mitch. Thanks. We are way overdue for a visit from my main man, Jordan Flowers, J. Flo, Kirkland Office, Cross Country Mortgage, member, member most improved, and Barrett's dad. How's he doing? Oh, Barrett is doing great. Thanks, Mitch. <laughs> no, Thanks no, for no, asking. No, 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 I was asking how Barrett's dad is doing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Baird's dad's doing well. I appreciate being back. I miss you, man. Been too long. I actually owe you a thank you. Oh, You've yeah? made me feel like a professional golfer for the last month hearing how much you're talking about my golf game and how bad it was. So thanks. Now I know how they feel. I'm glad to know that you feel like a professional golfer when I talk about how bad, <laughs> how bad your golf game is. Well, I, hey, media's talking about me. Uh, right lots of volatility in markets recently. All of us have seen our savings dip give us kind of a home buying market interest rate overview jordan yeah it has not been fun watching the savings accounts and investment accounts but there's good news on the mortgage side rates have actually kind of stabilized plateaued and have been working their way back down in fact so we've been seeing um, interest rates 30-year fixed rates dropping the last two months really this is the second straight month mortgage-backed securities and interest rates have been dropping so good news for home buyers right now any new cross-country products or programs worth discussing here 
I'm Mitch Unfiltered. Jay Flo. Yeah, we're always looking to adding products and programs to our arsenal to help those home buyers and people looking to refinance. Right now, um, there's been two over the last month and a half or so. I was part of helping roll out a new jumbo investor product that kind of really helps clients with more unique income. Maybe it's income derived from trusts. And then we also just rolled out a Goldman Sachs program that is on a 40-year amortization versus 30-year, which helps with your payment, your monthly principal and interest payment. So even though rates are high, we're trying to figure out creative solutions to help homebuyers keep that payment in line with what they were looking at and hoping for, especially as home prices have gone up so much the last two years. So you would say still a chance for buyers and sellers to get what they want in this current climate. Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely different than the last couple of years where it was just throw your home up and get multiple bids, right? It's getting a little more creative um, for those sellers, but we're helping sellers sell their home and still net the same proceeds that they're hoping to net. And that's kind of where I think a shift needs to be right now. It's uh, negotiations always trying to be a win-win. What we can do to still have the seller really net the same amount of proceeds from the sale, really what they care about, and help buyers get the home at a price or monthly payment that they desire. So that's a lot of our strategy right now is helping both sides win and get what they want. We love Jordan Flowers. We love Cross Country Mortgage. Very creative during these times, and he's the 2023 member member betting favorite next year, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Comeback player of the year, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Jordan Flowers and Cross Country Mortgage. Unfiltered. The way it worked out, Drew got some more opportunities, um, but I thought they threw the ball real nice in, in the control stuff uh, underneath, and we're clean with the ball coming out. Protection was good early, um, so uh, it, it'll give us a good chance to, to see him. If you notice, they worked with the with the first O line. Both guys got work with the first O line today, and uh, and the first receiver. So it was it, it'll be a nice uh, nice chance to compare these guys. The Seattle Seahawks. Remember them. They play NFL football here in the Northwest. In case you've forgotten or giving them the cold shoulder for some reason, I give to you my man, the handsome, the debonair, Brady Henderson, Seahawks insider, ESPN. He's to the rescue. Hi, Brady. Hi, Mitch. How are you? I'm good. What's in better shape right now? Brady Henderson's golf game or the Hawks' outlook for the 2022 football season? I would not want either of them right now, to be honest with you. I know I don't want my golf game, and I, yeah, I mean, look, I look. We we don't have to talk about my golf game. It's it's uh, nothing to write home about right now. But I think that the Seahawks are, you know, for the first uh, week and a half of training camp that I've seen, um, it just kind of only reinforces my belief that I think that if you take away the quarterback situation, which is obviously the biggest component of any team's success. They have a good roster. You know, they, they've they got do. some flaws. They've got some holes. Uh, they got some position battles that are up in the air. They got some weak spots. But I think by and large, this is a really good roster, um, a pretty good roster, a roster that's competitive. It's good enough to be competitive as long as the quarterbacks can keep them in games and, and manage the games well enough. Um, I just see this as a team that's going to play in a lot of close games. Uh, that's going to lose a lot of those close games that Russell Wilson would have pulled out and the at the end, um, and it's you're going to really see you know it's really going to put into perspective. Not that you needed a reminder of how good Russell Wilson was, but um, I just think they are going to lose a lot of those games that he would have won. Uh, they're going to win some games that yeah, 
because frankly, they have some games on their schedule against teams with even worse quarterback situations than them. Um, I think they could get blown out once or twice, but I, they've got a good team outside of the quarterback situation. Oh, but uh, that is, that's a pretty big butt to throw yes. in there. But you've just kind of answered like question five. Here you go again. It's a new season. And Brady Henderson is already answering like future questions so that I'm out of question. I was going to ask you like in question five, if we put our hand over the quarterback position and we just ask the question everywhere else, better roster, including depth, by the way. And by the way, including cornerback, which I'm going to push you on cornerback. Isn't that a, a vital position in the NFL these days? If you put your hand over the quarterback position, are they better, the same or worse talent-wise, roster-wise, than they were last year? I, I think they are the same. And just to give readers uh, a clue on what we were talking about before we readers? started uh, the conversation. Okay. Readers? Do we, do we have readers? Okay, go ahead. It, yeah, maybe somebody's you know getting a transcription the, of these the are These are readers. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so Mitch, uh, being as uh, you know in tune to any noise that could be uh, picked up with an earshot of a microphone. Uh, he said, I noticed some humming in the background. Is there something humming? What's going on? So it turns out I have a little uh, personal uh, air cooler here yes. uh, that, you know, you put water into and it spits out sort of cool misted air. Yes. And I had to turn that off uh, no, because we were recording. And so that's, I'm trying to jump ahead. That explains why I was sort of okay. trying to here, give you here, two answers. In okay. One. Here's so what I want you to do. I'm going to do okay. something I've never done before. You ready? Yeah. Put the air conditioning on. We want to hear it. All right. Put it on. You want me to go full blast? Well, however you're most comfortable, because I feel like we're going to get honest answers from a comfortable Brady Henderson. So I want the humming. I want the fan. I want the air conditioning. I want you close, right. close to the mic and now answer the question. You said the same. They are the same. In S but last year they weren't very good. So how is this a good roster if they're the same as last year? Well, they weren't very good for the most part because their, their quarterback situation was not very good. And their okay. quarterback play, you know, Geno Smith was good enough to win them one of three games. And Russell Wilson was not the same even when he came back. Now, they certainly had other issues. Their defense was a mess uh, early in the season as it was early in the season before that. But by and large, I think the quarterback situation explains why they – uh, went seven and ten last season, and you know we do this thing every year. A lot of us reporters at NFL Nation at ESPN, we do kind of these preview pieces before training camp, where we go position by position uh, on the team, on the roster of the team that we cover, and we say, is this better, worse, or the same than last season? Yeah. And I would say I, I haven't added it all up, but I think for the Seahawks, in most cases, they were the same, or there was enough betters to cancel out the worses. I think that it is the same now. Certain spots are certainly way better and certain spots are worse. But by and large, I think they have about as as good of a roster overall as they did last season. Just a worse but, quarterback. But I, uh, but I would say to you that in 2022 and 2023, the two most important positions on the field in an NFL game are quarterback and cornerback. And you, I, I'm sure you're going to tell me that's the weakness of the football team the two most important positions on the field. Or are you going to tell me that all these that they're going to come out of the cornerback thing feeling okay about their answers? Well, I don't think their cornerback situation was all that good last year. No, it wasn't. I don't think it was a strength last season, so okay. I just don't see that as a huge drop-off. Certainly, they're going to miss DJ Reed. He was their best cover corner. He also left for a deal that I understand why they did not want to, to match that deal. But I'll tell you what, man. 
the rookie cornerback, Kobe Bryant, their fourth round pick. He's pretty good. He's still working with the second team defense. I predicted before training camp started that he's going to earn a starting job and nothing has, I've seen nothing to dissuade Who me on from the other side. Sidney Jones, Sidney okay. Jones. Now, interesting layers. Sidney Jones has been working as the number one left cornerback and they have had uh, Kobe Bryant working as the number two guy on the left side. So right. my guess is if Bryant does win that job, they would move Sidney Jones over to the right side. He's played both sides. I don't think that would be an issue, but, and I don't think that the cornerback situation it's, it's, I agree with you. It's probably their weakest position. I just don't think there is a huge drop off from last season. Brady, because you had to suffer through some bad play at times. I last get it. I get well. it. Clearly, for those of us that like talk about all sports, the sports radio stations and the columnists in the newspapers and guys like me that have podcasts, we feel a waning interest in the Seahawks. Now, maybe it's a combination of a lot of things. Obviously, the quarterback position is paramount to the wane, to the waning interest that I feel. And I'm just wondering, as a guy who's now been covering the team, I think this is your 52nd year covering the Seahawks. As a guy who's out there every year and just doing your gig for ESPN, do you feel that? Do you tangibly feel that out there? Or do you, do you sense an excitement just like any other year being out in that bubble at training camp. I can feel and I can see that interest does seem to be winning. And that's based primarily off of the attendance at training camp. Look, there's a lot of people there uh, pretty much every day. It okay. just does. The berm does not look as packed uh, and does not look as energized as it used to. Now, maybe that's a product, too, of other things that are going on. The Mariners are good. So people that could that otherwise would be at training camp, they might instead be at uh, T-Mobile Park or they might be watching Mariners games. There's also a lot going on in Seattle. Seafair, uh, it's nice out, other things. But training camp's the same time this year as it has been every year. There's been other things going on in past summers uh, and the berm has been packed. So I, I do right. suspect that a lot of that is due to the quarterback and just waning interest to, to some degree in the team. All right. Let's get to the quarterback position because Pete Carroll has stuck by, I'm going to say his man, even though he shouldn't be his man, Geno Smith over and over again. So two-part question. Let's start with what the F is a mock game. They used to be scrimmages. They used to be workouts. Now we've got mock games, and I hate mock drafts. So now I hate mock games. I understand that Drew Locke outperformed to anybody, anybody who watched will tell you that Drew Locke was much better than Geno Smith in the mock game, and yet Pete Carroll, when asked after, says, I don't know, I haven't seen the film, can't can't talk to you guys about that right now. As if he's, like, reluctant to say that Drew Locke is doing well. What What's going on behind closed doors with the quarterback? I, I'm not sure what's going on behind closed doors. I'll tell you what's going on that we can see, which yes. is that um, Geno Smith continues to get virtually all of the first team reps. That was the case in the spring. Uh, and it continues to be the case through the first week and a half of training camp. And I thought that that could change and arguably should change based on what we saw in the mock game where uh, Drew Locke was clearly the better quarterback. The eye test uh, paints a very clear picture of that, especially when you consider this. So each of those guys uh, both got five possessions and Locke, four of Locke's five possessions were with the number two offense. So he's throwing to backup receivers. He's got backup offensive linemen blocking for him. Uh, and he's playing against the number one defense in four of those five possessions. Geno Smith had the inverse of that. He's four of his five were with the number one offense against backup defenders. 
and yet Drew Locke outplayed him. I think it was 18 of 27 uh, with a touchdown, led scoring drives on three of his five possessions. Uh, Gino, I think, was 10 of 19, uh, didn't have a touchdown pass through what should have been an interception and frankly looked like it was, but it was not ruled. Uh, Tariq Wallen looked like he picked him off on kind of a lazy deep ball that uh, Geno Smith kind of floated up into nowhere. What's every the problem? Single one of the first team what, what, what am I? What am I missing? What's the problem? Come on. This is Mitch unfiltered now. Stop being so filtered. What am I missing? Well, I, I, I was laying out the facts of the case, and here is my, <laughs> my thought on I, I think that it what am is. I missing? I think it is one of two things or a combination of the two. Okay. All right. I wonder if the plan all along has been to not so much mix and match the, the first and second team reps with those guys early in camp, but to one guy uh, have the majority of them for the first couple of weeks and then switch over to, to Drew Locke. Now, they have obviously, as you can imagine, they've been very tight-lipped about that. Uh, Pete Carroll has said that he's not going to reveal what the plan is. Shane Waldron said uh, something to the effect of, we have a plan, but we're going to keep that in-house. So it, it does kind of suggest that that they have something cooking that they've been planning on that they weren't really going to change based on anything that happened in the first week or so of camp. That's one possibility. I think it could also be... Look, frankly, there is a lot more to their assessments than what most observers can pick up. There's the naked eye stuff, who's more accurate, who makes better decisions, who doesn't take the sacks, all that. And before the mock game, I would say it was kind of a toss up. Neither one of them had really distinguished himself until Locke really distinguished himself in the mock game. But and Carol kind of alluded to this in some comments the other day. There's more to it than what most people can see. There's getting them into the right play, handling the protections with the center and all that. And and he said, he was asked point blank, why is Gino still ahead of Locke? And that's what he pointed okay. to. So right. that's something that most people just aren't going to pick up on when you're just paying attention to the naked eye stuff. And so I think that it is one of those two things or a combination of the two. Seems fishy, but okay. I, everything seems fishy to me, Brady Henderson. ESPN, ESPN. Let me ask you a silly question. This may be the silliest question I've ever asked, and I've asked you some silly questions. You have. Who's the star of the Seattle Seahawks? And before you just say DK Metcalf, let's take into account that the wide receivers are a function of the quarterbacks. And the wide receivers can't catch 100 balls and be superstars if the quarterbacks don't get them the ball. Having said that, look at the 22 guys, the 22 starters. Who's the star? No Bobby Wagner. No, no Russell Wilson, no Chris Carson. Maybe it's a pass rusher. I don't know. Maybe it's it's a linebacker. Who's the star of the Seattle Seahawks? When I, as I give you my answer, I'm going to begin by asking you a question. Sure. How did DK Metcalf do in the three games that Geno Smith started last? Don't week? have the numbers in front of me. Too busy counting up my strokes for my golf game today. Tell me. He did pretty well. Did he? He did pretty well. Okay. I don't have those numbers either, but he did pretty well. Remember, he had two touchdown catches uh, in the Jaguars game. I, I the Jag- he, you, mean he, the, you mean the Jaguars oh, game. Oh, how I, I walked right into that. The Jaguars, <laughs> Jaguars game. He yeah. did pretty well. So right. I, I would argue with the contention that a wide receiver cannot put up good production uh, without – a very good quarterback. Now, obviously, your team is not going to be as good, and and that production might not be as what it would be with uh, with a star quarterback. But I think my answer is DK because I still think that he can produce uh, with Drew Locke or Geno Smith. It may not be the same look. It it may okay. it may be okay. better okay. in some cases. Okay, you, you shot me down. Who's the second guy? Let's say you can't have DK. 
who is the star of the Seattle Seahawks? Any position you want, who's the star of the Seahawks if it's not DK Metcalf? If you had asked me this uh, two weeks ago, um, the day before training camp, I would have said Jamal Adams. And I still might go with Jamal Adams, but I would have said unequivocally Jamal really? Adams. Well, I shouldn't say unequivocally because Tyler Lockett's pretty good. But if we're going to pick another position, yeah, I would say Jamal Adams. And I say that in large part because I have really felt like he is going to look more like the 2020 version than the 2021 version. Because okay. I feel like from everything I've seen and heard, it seems to me like this defense is going to put him in a position to be a pass rushing factor like he was two years ago. But then he broke his finger again on the same hand that he has had the finger issues for the last two seasons. He's dislocated them countless times, had to have them surgically repaired uh, in each of the last two off seasons. So if this was and look right now, he's back with the team. He's wearing a little protective thing on his hand. The word is that he does not need surgery right now. If he has surgery, it won't be again until after the season. But if, if this was just about a single injury to his middle finger that he broke and he's going to be able to play through, that wouldn't really concern me. With Adams, it's more the fact that this is yet another injury in a pretty long list of injuries that he's had for the past yeah. couple of years. The repeat uh, labrum tear of his left shoulder, the elbow, the groin that cost him four games in 2020, and again, the fingers. So you're talking about a guy who was battled through a lot of injuries I still think I might say Adams. I'm just starting to get concerned, and I'm sure the right. Seahawks are too, that this guy is – is the injuries are kind of piling up for this guy. Quick hitters. You already told me who the starting corners are going to be. You told us. Who's going to be the starting right tackle? I think it's going to be Jake Curran to begin the season, but I think you're going to see Abe Lucas there at some point, okay. whether it's because of injury or just because they decide that he's ready. I, I can't remember if I gave you this stat and – and, Feel free to edit this out if I have already told you this, but um, I'm going to pose a quick trivia question. Yes. I know this is quick hitters. Stump I shouldn't band. be doing Stump this. Stump the band. It's called Stump the band. Go ahead. Stump the band. Okay. Yep. Since 1970, how many instances do you think there have been of an NFL team starting a pair of rookie tackles in week one? So your oh, left you tackle and your right tackle are both rookies in week one. How many times since 1970 you, would you guess that that's happened? You did ask me that. You did tell us this stat right after the draft when they – drafted the two bookend tackles. I don't remember what your answer was, so I won't edit it out. It's like one or two, and you had the names for me. Like one or two, right? Something like that? Yes, it's two. Two. And now I remember. Yeah, now I remember. <laughs> well. well, tell us. Who was it? Do you know who they are? No. Uh, one was like the <laughs> 1980 Rams, and then one oh, no. was. Oh, I know one. One was the Cardinals. One yeah, was the, the Cardinals. St. Louis. When they were because I Louis, said yeah. Because I said to you, Maybe suffering succotash, Dan Deardorff was one of them. That's right. Now I and, you laugh, and you laugh just the way you laughed at. Okay. So you think that that Abe Lucas will end up being the starting right tackle, but not opening day. Something like that? Something like that. Something yeah, like I, that. I think he's going to play whether it's by injury or because they decide to give him a look. But I don't know if it's going to happen week one. I've just seen too much of Jake Curran out there. Any other position battles that I should be asking about? Kicker, punter. Am I, am I, should I be asking you about the running back situation? Maybe I should be asking you how long now that he's got his new contract, will Rashad Penny stay healthy? How many games will he actually be healthy to play as a Seattle Seahawk? Boy, if you're setting the over-under, I would probably say, I would put the over-under at 11.5 games, 11. maybe 5. 12 games. All right. All right. 
Yeah. Any other position battles? That uh, Nickelback, that's probably the, the the other obvious one, Nickelback. It's been Justin Coleman, Ugo Amadi, and Marquise Blair. Who are the linebackers? Uh, the li- Well, the inside guys are Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks. Right. There's no doubt about that. The right. two starting outside guys, Uchenna Nwosu and Daryl Taylor. But the, the outside linebackers, that's obviously a position that you rotate through. So you're going to see Alton Robinson. You're going to see uh, Boye Mafe, their second-round pick. So you're going to see quite a few guys. Is Nwosu good? He is good. Yeah, but he made one of the plays of camp the other day. It was in a seven-on-seven drill uh, where he picked off Geno Smith and made this sort of full extension. He dropped into coverage, which you're going to see outside linebackers do in the defense. And I know that's a point of contention among a lot of fans who were crying and clamoring for them to stop dropping Carlos Dunlap and Benson Moyoa uh, into coverage last season. That's what happens when you run a 3-4. Your outside linebackers are going to have to drop into coverage, and he looks good. He is, I know I've, I've, speaking of stats, I've already thrown out there, but he is their biggest free agent signing of the John Schneider, Pete Carroll era in terms of average per year uh, at right around $10 million. They've never paid more for a free agent an outside free agent in terms of per year average than him. So that tells you how big of a, a part of their defense they feel like he's going to be. Seven and ten? Yeah, that's that's about, about what right. I think. It's about right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, whether they win six or they win 16, Brady Henderson, ESPN.com, does a phenomenal job. Oh, he's going to – what are you going to do? Oh, you're bringing it closer. It's getting hot in here. I'm getting verklempt <laughs> with all this uh, praise that you're giving me. Brady Henderson does a great job for ESPN, ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter, and you'll hear him, I believe, all season long, although he hasn't signed his contract, his Mitch Unfiltered contract yet. Uh, You'll hear him all season long. We'll get uh, Joey Fan in here, Joey Vegas in here, and we'll all laugh and carry on like lunatics the entire season. Thank you, Brady. Thanks for being back with us on episode 202. You bet. Thank you. My lawyers are reviewing that contract. We will get back to you at some point. (laughs) Boy, it's been a tough few months for our 401k plans, hasn't it? Here's Katie Versio of Evergreen Golf Call. Katie, give us some good news, will you? There's not a lot of great news in the market to report, except if you're a buyer. It's a good time to be buying and to have cash. It's also a good time to go three for three. I feel it. This is going to be my day. What's the theme of your quiz today, Katie? It's a market update to see how much you're paying attention. I'm paying attention. So go ahead. Question number one. U.S. inflation in May reached the highest level in more than four decades. What was the inflation increase? Was it 7.6%, 
Yeah, so stocks are down 18% and bonds are down 11%. It's been a really ugly year where there's not a lot of places to hide. Essentially, the only area of the market that is up on the year is energy. That's why here at Evergreen, we think that active management makes a lot of sense. It used to be really easy to make money in the market for the last five or 10 years or so, where you just buy the index and it keeps going up. But now we think, you know, there's pockets of value. We think there's certain areas that make sense. So we think active management makes a lot of sense in this environment. And that's why it's a good time to check out everything that Evergreen is doing. Start with their website, evergreengk.com. We love Katie Versio, Director of Financial Planning at Evergreen Golf Call. Everything wealth. Unfiltered. Episode 202, the other stuff segment. Hot shot, Scott. Would you like to lead off? I would. There's a hot base. There's a hot autographed baseball card out there. Honus Wagner. Not that hot. Okay. And I don't think there's an autographed one out there. The player's name is Mark Zuckerberg. What? He was apparently a baseball star for a very small part of his life. And a signed piece of that history is hitting the auction block. <laughs> he had a little baseball card made, you know, like we all did. Yeah. And he was at a, he was at summer camp or something. And he, he autographed it for his counselor. And his counselor's been sitting on this card for a while. And now he's like, I got kids going to college. Oh. I got to auction this thing off. So, well, what could... Well, a collect- does anybody want that? Well, that's a great question. Would you want that? It's very niche, so they're not sure. The, the, the bidding is starting at a dollar. Yeah. Because it'll be unpredictable. Who knows what it's going to go for? But by the way, uh, I'll have you know the 48-pound infielder went 23 for 25 at the plate that season with an impressive 920 batting average as a 10-year-old. <laughs> so we'll see what the, the Mark Zuckerberg autographed card gets. I'll, I'll let you know. Hotshot, I would have thought that there was no way to talk about the sensitivity that is the Brittany Griner story and have a chuckle, at least now, with her in the middle of this and the nations, the countries negotiating, her looking at nine years or whatever it is. And I stand by what I said. What do you say? Well, if anyone wants her to rot in a prison, if any American thinks she should rot in that prison for nine years is an asshole. I stand by it. Oh, you got in trouble for that. Trouble? <laughs> I, get, I get in any trouble. I stand by that. Who for a vape cartridge in a country where we? I think we know their human rights record. She's the criminal. F off. Every time I hear the story or I see the story, I get mad. I get angry. Same. I can't even. I'm read disappointed. It. Yeah, I it. It's a. I, I never thought that there could be a layer to this story that would make me giggle, but no. there is one. I'm ready. Mitch I need unfiltered it. to the rescue. <laughs> Thank you. This really hurts, says a celebrity. If anyone knows of any way I can help, please let me know immediately. Justin Bieber. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Thanks, buddy. God. Now, we laugh, but for some reason, Dennis Rodman didn't have an inroad with Kim Jong Eel or Oon. I always get the dad of what. So who knows? I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe Vladimir Putin loves the Biebs. And he can help. You never just, know. Just when I was at my angriest <laughs> over the fact that Brittany Griner is still over there in a, in a prison for what she did. <laughs> yeah. Justin Bieber to the rescue. Quote, this really hurts. If anyone knows of any way I can help, please let me know. <laughs> yeah. Look, Justin again, Bieber is going to get her out. Kim Kardashian was hanging uh, out with Trump. Getting guys, getting guys out of prison. So Kim Kardashian. You never know, right? She's single. Yeah, that's on here. That, the, that's, Pete, the Pete Davidson kid. I thought that was going to go the distance. You thought those kids are going to make it, did I, you? There was something about that. I'm actually a little disappointed in that. 
There was something about that relationship that had a different feel than all of Petey's other relationships. Yeah. Ariana Grande or whoever it was. Was it, maybe not Ariana Grande. What what felt different about this? This had had life partners written all over it. Come on. Well, if you had under 10 months on your betting ticket. You on win. Over, on the over-under. Congratulations to you. And by the way, before they go in their separate directions, there's one person who has said, if I can help bring them back together, and re- <laughs> it's Justin Bieber to the rescue. Please let me know. And by the way, how do we let them know? Yeah, right. If I have an idea of how Justin Bieber <laughs> yeah. can help Brittany Griner, yeah. how do I reach out to him? I told you, I almost said, ran him over. Him know. I almost ran him over coming out of the bathroom at a karaoke Bieber. spot in Bellevue, so maybe he's still uh, there. Seahawks coach Pete Carroll returned to practice last week after missing time COVID-19. Yes. Right? I saw Governor Jay Inslee wish him uh, wish him well. Right. Because the only reason I was looking at Inslee's Twitter was to see if he wished the Washington softball team oh. well, and he did not. At oh, least you're pissed. I'm pissed, yeah. That's it. I know. He's wishing how can, Carol, he, how can he not be doing that? I know. How, he's, how could everybody not be standing in line to wish Issaquah? I mean, there's one team from the state of Washington, and they're, they're representing in the World Series, Inslee. Let's go. Do you want to discuss Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension? Sure. That was handed down by Judge Sue Robinson, bitterly disappointing the NFL, so much so that they've now appealed. You know how this works? It goes to a. It, it went to Sue Robinson, who's supposed to be an impartial the NFL wanted a year-long suspension for Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Deshaun Watson wanted no suspension. Oh, he did. Okay. <laughs> and and her ruling has really ruffled a lot of feathers, and I understand why. A lot of people are saying, what, the, six games? She says, number one, I'm making it six games for the following two big reasons. Okay. Number one, she described his behavior as predatory and egregious, but not violent, non violent behavior okay and then she points out that previous violent sexual offenders in the nfl which she doesn't think of this as violent yeah okay you can do your own yeah decision on whether this is violent or not compared to what some of the other nflers who have been guilty of violent sexual behavior right assault she says look you guys have been handing out four to six games For the last umpteen years, virtually every single one of your suspensions for violent sexual assault amongst your players, whether it's a first time or not, it's been four to six weeks. I can't give him more than six weeks. Yeah. NFL pissed. (laughs) They're, they're, uh, they kind of did it to themselves, according to her, right? She said, Hey, you made your bed. Now they would say, Now hold on a second. They would say, This, they would say, This is violent. You got to be the judge on that. And they would say, there are 20-something cases here. Okay, this yeah. isn't one case. So now it's under appeal, which means week one, Deshaun Watson could be in the starting lineup if it doesn't get resolved by week one Wow, for the Browns. So the NFL is essentially like staving off his his execution, so to speak, by, by appealing and letting him go in and playing. The, the one thing they don't want him to do. In the meantime, he has signed this outrageous contract that's going to pay him like $300 million, every penny of it, and his first-year salary is $1 million. <laughs> so he's missing one-one-seventeenth <laughs> of $1 million every single game that he missed. He's going to literally Genius. lose no money. A gen- Genius move by his agent. I did see fans at, at training camp just killing each other to get his autograph. I mean, he was absolutely swarmed, and it's just, 
I guess football fans are just easy to forgive and forget. And some people were not happy about how crazy the fans were going I'm for sure. this guy. Yeah, I'm sure. Ruffling I'm sure. a lot of feathers I'm out sure. there on Twitter. I'm yeah. sure. All right. Uh, let's see. Aaron Rodgers. What says, do you got on Aaron Rodgers? The secret to his recent NFL dominance is a psychedelic experience in South America, claiming the ayahuasca plant helped him improve his mental health and have the best season of my career. Ooh. Are you familiar with ayahuasca? No. It's like a hallucin. It's a hallucinogen. I I guess that. And I I I don't think it's legal in the states. I'm not an expert, um, but it contains DMT. It's been used socially and medically for centuries. Some consumers credit the plant uh, brew for spiritual healing. Anyway, he says it's not a coincidence when he returned from South America and won his next two MVPs, and he's speaking out to change the negative stereotypes around using ayahuasca. Do you, you have any desire to try it? Can you no? Okay. Can you bring your voice down? Max is in the next room. Yeah. Okay. Do you have to do this so loud? <laughs> it works. It works, apparently. He's in there listening to every word we say. Yeah. Yeah, drugs can work sometimes. You never know. You got to give them a try. You're never too old to start. A former Patriots lineman, Rich Ornberger. Ever heard of him? No. I think he was kind of a, a stalwart on the offensive lines in front of Tom Brady for many years in New England. He told a funny story that I thought I'd relay to you on some podcast. I'm sure it was on a podcast or a radio show. The day that he overslept, I think as a rookie, his alarm clock and was going to be late to training camp and Bill Belichick was oh, waiting and he was good. like, this is it. Yeah. He will literally cut me. Right. So he pulled out all the stops. Uh oh. I woke up. He says, my phone died overnight. I realize oh. I'm waking up to the sound of birds chirping, oh. not my alarm. <laughs> not good. That's a bad feeling. As someone that did morning radio, you know that would be a bad feeling if you heard birds I'm chirping. I'm driving frantically <laughs> to, the, uh, to the training camp site of the Patriots. I'm five minutes officially from being late, and I've got 15 minutes still ahead of me. I'm going to be 10 minutes late this day. I have this sinking feeling in my stomach like, Belichick is going to literally cut me right on the spot. I'm not going to I'm not going to be on this football team come tomorrow. What do I do? Yeah. Would you like to guess? <laughs> should we play a game called What did Rich Ornberger do when he realized he had no choice but he was going to be late? Put a little a little like dirt and shoe polish on his face to say he rescued kids out of a burning building and that's why he's late. No. You read the story. I did not. I promise you I did not. That's not it. Gosh, dang it. I thought I had it. Quote, I see a church van in front of me, hotshot. That's all dinged up. Yeah. And it's got the black smoke coming out of the exhaust pipe. And I'm like, I'm going to hit this car. Ornberger says, better to pay insurance than embarrass myself from being late. Wow. For a Patriots team. So, Ornberger intentionally rear-ends the other vehicle what? while claiming, <laughs> quote, I didn't hit him hard. Yeah. Very, very but made sure to get proof of the accident just in case someone asked about his tardiness. Ornberger says he paid the elderly man that was in the, the truck and the other vehicle and ended up keeping his job for many years to come. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and when Belichick said to him, why are you late, Ornberger? I got in a little accident. Yeah. What are you going to do? little fender bender. Well, what are you going to do? That's amazing that he really did that. That is he really... He got into an accident on purpose that to is, avoid the wrath of Bill Belichick. That is desperate. There you go. That's other stuff for you. That's amazing. All right. Do you know the name Edie McClurg? She's an actress. Yes, yes. A, she she's on. a national treasure. Look what she... How does she look now? What's that? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> See what Edie well, McClurg looks like now. Edie McClurg's always just looked like Edie McClurg. Do you remember she was in Planes, Trains, Automobiles? She was working at the rental car place when he has his outburst. She was Ferris Bueller Day Off. She was uh, the secretary for the principal. She, you would recognize her. Some weirdness is going on with her, and this this is pissing me off because yeah, I saw this. oh, you did see this something she's she's with she's got dementia and yeah. somebody's taking advantage of someone's her or taking something? full advantage of her a guy oh. named Michael Ramos. He's been living at her home, and she, yeah, she's I know battling dementia. According to the docs, Ramos, who is unemployed, has finagled his way into her life and attempted to move her out of California in order to marry her, despite knowing she lacked mental capacity. So the good news you is be an evil person, to yeah, do something like that. You, you think? I mean, it's just like there's there are gotta, a lot of evil people in this world but wow to be willing to do that to an elderly woman who yeah. is incapacitated i mean i don't know yeah well the judge granted a temporary know. restraining order so apparently she has help at the house a, a woman a caregiver which luckily the caregiver spoke up and so a judge granted a restraining order ramos cannot contact her and must stay at least 100 yards away from her and her home not only that it's been ordered that ramos must move out and yes. not return hit the bricks ramos there's a hearing scheduled for next month, but God, what an a-hole. Would you like to, to register another installment of Let's Make Everybody Feel Really Old? Yes, please, yeah. Another right. installment of Let's Make You Feel Really Old, Hot Shot. I'm ready. The newest Mariner. Do you know who the newest Mariner is? Not Luis Castillo. Do you know the, new, the newest Mariner? The one that was just drafted? That one? No, 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 no. I don't know then. There was a trade of the deadline for former Blanchett High Schooler, former Queen Anne Little Boy, Former University of Washington product. Okay. Former Arizona Diamondback All-Star Jake Lamb. Oh, okay. Is now a member of your Seattle Mariners. In fact, I believe in his first at bat the other night, his first ever Mariner at bat the other night, he got a base hit. Nice. I have interviewed him on a couple of occasions during the off-seasons back on the old radio KJR days. And he would tell me, hey, I come to Queen Anne during the off-season. Nice. I like to play Interbay. Oh, sure. Hang Interbay. out. Oh, yeah, you know, you I do that. I just, I love Washington, whatever. Now he's a now he's a member of his, of his hometown team, the Seattle Mariners. Good for him. Yeah. Um, he was quoted saying the following. It's crazy, man. I grew up in this stadium and the kingdom. I loved it. I went to the Home Run Derby here in 2001 as a kid. I used to shave my head as a kid because of Jay Buhner. Oh, man. As a kid. he I loved Jay Buhner buzz cut nights. Oh, God. As a kid. Wasn't that last Tuesday? Right, I know. Weren't we at Jalisco's? Oh, like, my I God. Know. Really? I know. Yeah. That's what this guy Buhner said. buzz cut. We were working in radio in Seattle. Uh, yeah, we yeah. were 20 years into our jobs. <laughs> God. Yeah, that's crazy. That's what Jake Lamb said upon <sighs> joining his hometown team. Yeah, sad. All right, well, thanks for bumping me out. Uh, Do you want a quick update on the whole Jeff Bezos, Netherlands, massive yacht routine? You remember well, the that last? Thing? Yeah, well, the last that, I had, well, last that I had heard was he decided that he was not going to, they were not going to disassemble the bridge. So they were going to get the boat back a different way, or am I wrong about that? Yes, Okay. But there is a, another update. So okay. it looks like he's relenting a bit because his baby was dragged away at the ass crack of dawn. They, they, they towed it. Somebody towed it away. So as we know, this huge boat is being created for near Rotterdam. There's a 417 foot long three mast beast called Y721 that costs around $500 million. That's the boat. Yeah. It got the tow treatment very early Tuesday morning from a Dutch shipbuilding yard where it's been under construction for a while. Now, the reason for it, seemingly 
the seemingly secret mission here. There's been a lot of outrage, as we know, over the bridge because they wanted to tear it down and the whole thing. So I think he's going, it looks like he's relenting because of all the backlash and he's just said, forget it. We're going to have someone else build it. We're going to find another way to get it to where I want to go. He's, he's backing up a bit now that they've towed his baby. I see your Jeff Bezos yacht story and I raise you the newest news from Live Golf. Oh, yeah. I told you last week that Charles Barkley did not get the offer that he was looking for from Live Golf to become a broadcaster. So he's staying with TNT. Did I tell you that you last did, week? did, yes. Okay. John Daly says, I begged Greg Norman for a gig. I begged him for a job. <laughs> oh, no. And he told me, no more invitations being handed out and you're too old. <laughs> well, that Greg Norman's got a reputation for being a hell of a, hell of a guy, huh? Now, what Greg Norman did say in an interview this past week, I'm sure you saw this, Danny O'Neill and I talked about it on 201P, Tiger Woods turned down $800 million. Wow. To go off to the live tour, $800 million offer. Tiger said, thank you, but no thank you. And Danny and I were talking about this, and I'll say to him, well, he kind of said it to me too. Say it here on episode 202. Has there ever been a moment in history where an individual was offered 800 million or more for something to do something and turned it down where and what doesn't count is if they were offered 800 million dollars for an item and they 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 said no and then they sold it like they had they had that item still to sell for 800 mil, one-time offer. Has anybody ever had a one-time offer where it's either take the 800 million for something or to do something yeah. or not, and there's no there's no future ability to get that 800 million? Yeah, it's take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Yeah. He said, I'll leave it. I'm guessing it's the only time in like world history right. that anybody has been offered that type of a deal <laughs> and said no, and then has no recourse to get like a portion of it back. That's crazy. Yeah. $800 million. And just to go play on the tour. To go play on the tour. And that they probably wouldn't even care if he was good or making cuts. No. Or they, none of the guys that they even are paying are any good. <laughs> right. So they don't give a shit about Certainly that. Certainly Phil Mickelson's no good. He stinks. He does. Oh, my God. Ever since he signed that deal, yeah. he's been like one of the worst guys on, the, really? on that tour. Oh, yeah. He's terrible. I didn't know that. He's terrible. No, that doesn't mean anything. But yeah. he's bringing eyeballs, I suppose. He's... Could get better next year. Yeah. He's dealing with a lot of maybe personal shit uh, yeah. going on. He's got some things going on in his life. But he's been he's been crap. In fact, that most of the guys, with the exception of a couple, are kind of guys on down on their careers and kind of not mm. doing what they used to do and looking for a, a quick buck. None of them are playing particularly well. Why don't they just pay Trump to join the tour? Well, they they kind of did. But I mean, they, like they, a, they played the last event at his golf yeah i know but like to join the tour like just go this is your chance to be a pro golfer he loves it enough he'd take the money that'd be amazing to to have i mean they don't care if anyone's good apparently so who gives a crap (laughs) have trump join the tour i I don't know how i can like tiger woods now people would say mitch come on tiger woods already has a billion in the bank or whatever he's got in the easier for him to turn it down than a lot of people yeah but come on yeah yeah i go back to what i said come on has there ever been an instance where somebody was offered for a take it or leave it to do something or for something, $800 million where there was no opportunity around the corner to get a portion or hold that hold that chip and get more. This was a, here's $800 million, do you want it or not? And he said, no, thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I heard that 
at one point the band ABBA was offered a billion to go tour. Yes. But I don't know if that really counts because they could, I mean, they, they could have toured maybe Did in they turn three, it down? Yeah, they turned it down. But again, there's four of them and plus the band, so it's not 800 million per person. But right. that's all I can think of in the music. I mean, Pink Floyd's probably been offered. And why did they turn it down? Because they disliked each other so so much, I, I and they didn't want the money. I don't think it's that. I don't. I mean, I think it's been thirty five years since we've played these songs live. I oh, mean, oh oh oh! It's like recently. It, I mean, it was like I think I, I read this like ten years ago. They were offered like an enormous amount, like a billion dollars, to go tour. But they're like sixty five, seventy. I'm gonna go on tour. I mean, they're already rich, right? What? Who needs it? But yeah, I mean, for one person, I can't think of anyone. <laughs> All right, you know Anne Hache? Yes, former. Former partner of Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres, yes. I know Anne. I, I would call her Hesh. Is it Hesh? I don't know what it is. I would it's, call her Hesh. It's Hesh or Hesh. Hesh to me. Well, she slammed her car into a house igniting a blaze. Imagine what she looks like now. Yeah, she does look different. I looked at her. By the way, uh, that's this was her second crash of the day. Uh, she ran into an apartment complex, but uh, reversed and took off. Now, because it's 2022, as you know, every square inch of earth is being recorded and there are, there are videos of her flying down residential streets. Mitch, if you saw someone driving this fast down your, you would call 911 and then go follow them. So when they do inevitably crash, punch them in the face. She was driving so effing fast through this neighborhood. And of course, not surprisingly, wrecked her little Mini Cooper, slammed into a fire hydrant. I don't want to get into an accident in a Mini Cooper. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, I think she hit the hydrant, but then she hit the house. Was she impaired? Uh, well, first of all, you can see her on the stretcher. Her clothes are completely charred. The car was on fire. The house was on fire. Yeah. The car's completely totaled and charred. Yeah. She suffered severe burns. Now, her condition prevents doctors for, from performing any tests to determine if she was driving under the influence of alcohol. I will not be in the surprised camp if, in fact, she was driving under the influence. It It's crazy how fast she was driving so i guess eventually we'll find out but god man she's had a she's had kind of a crazy life so anyway we'll, we'll see what happens with that i admit it i confess okay i read the news this past week that broncos wide receiver tim patrick expected to catch between i don't know 70 and 90 balls from from russell wilson i saw your tweet was lost for the season due to a torn acl now i'm I'm not smirking about that. I wish him a fast recovery. I hope that he gets his speed back and he catches lots of balls in the future. But I smirked. I know you did. I smirked that number three lost one of his weapons. I did. I did. Is that is that like, like you know more than me, obviously, about these these things. But does this guy was going to be good or he has well, been the, good? Or? From what I understand, like Slickhawk kind of set me straight. He said, now look. Tim Patrick's pretty good, but Jerry Judy's better. Yeah, from and they have an, and they have another wide receiver there, so okay. they've got th like he's like the number three or the two or three guy, and yeah, they've got lots of guys, but uh, yeah, they've got one less guy. <laughs> God, speedy recovery. Now I could say that it doesn't really matter much if he was going to go over the middle because oh yeah, he won't be spotted over the refuses middle. to throw there for some well, reason. Well, I can't can't yeah. see over the lineman but you know well i won't say that yeah please don't say that. say that all right a track meet in Colombia turned not safe for work real quick on thursday italian decathlete alberto nanini's privies popped out in the middle of a race yeah popped out 
The unfortunate moment happened in the 400-meter event at the 2022 World Athletics Under-20 Championships in California when Nino was forced to lose his spot at the front of the pack and cover up several times before crossing the finish line. Now, he wasn't having fun with it after the race, saying it was obviously an accident and it cost me the race. Like, he was kind of pissed off that people were, like, having a good time with this. Right. I did watch the video, and at one point, the announcer says, no one is showing, uh, no one is showing much so far. Talking about the speed of the race. I was like, <laughs> just you wait, announcer person. But, um, yeah, th- there will not be an easy joke That's on funny. this to follow. It's not my style to do that kind of thing. Uh, all right, I'll finish up my stories. We did Ann Hesh, so I can cross her off the list. We did Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. I'll cross them off the list. Um, Gary Payton is in the news. He is. Do you recall that in that Michael Jordan miniseries, Jordan kind of giggled at Gary Payton? Yeah. The idea that Gary Payton was any kind of trouble for him? Yes. Well, Gary Payton was asked this past week by some magazine, your top three all-time NBA players. He said, easy. Wilt, Magic, and Bill. (laughs) In your face. God. Uh, Do you think he's joking? or do No, no, no. I'm going with Wilt, Magic, and Bill as my best three ever NBA players. It's absurd, right? <laughs> yes, it is. It's absurd. Okay. Totally absurd. Just sticking it to him. To- totally absurd. Hilarious. Um, the divorce proceedings. You're a big divorce proceedings of the of the rich and famous. <laughs> yes. Of the rich and famous. Right. Um, Con- what was his name? Robin I'm Robin Leach. Leach. Um, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. I guess Kardashian is in the news twice. Yeah. Breaking up a beat. But the whole... Kanye West, Kim Kardashian marriage, a lot of money on the line there. Yeah. It's still not been resolved, the divorce proceedings. One of the big problems is that Samantha Spector, Kanye West's attorney, has asked to be excused, wants no part of the the further divorce proceedings. Now, you realize how much money the attorney is walking away from. It's not Tiger Woods money. It's not live golf money. But the, the attorney, when the attorney gets rid of Kanye West and walks away from this, that's a pretty penny they're walking sure away. Sure is. But this this attorney, um, what I say her name is Samantha Spector, no longer wants to be associated with Kanye West's team okay. during this divorce. The reason I bring this up is this was the fifth time that the attorney excused themselves from Kanye West's <laughs> proceedings. Really? Yes. This is the oh. fifth lawyer. To say thank oh, you, God. what's going on? Well, he's kooky, you know that, right? Yeah, but y- you deal with kooky for the kind of money, kind of attorney's fees you're going to get. Apparently, he's, you don't. She's the fifth one that's Unreal. that's thrown Kanye West to the curb during the divorce proceedings. Five throwing away he's that payday. Five. That's crazy. Anyway, yeah, he's a little uh, nuts. The former jazz coach, for, former Mercer Island star, Quinn uh, Snyder, who quit the Salt Lake City, the Utah Jazz. He has now listed his Salt Lake City mansion for sale. Hmm. So he's done with the Utah Jazz, and he's done with Salt Lake City. He's moving away. He wants $12.75 million for the eight-bedroom, ten-bathroom home built in 2018 on less than three-quarters of an acre. (laughs) Really? I didn't know that... Salt Lake City real estate. It yeah. says it has a mount, a beautiful view of Mount Olympus, wherever that is, along with amenities like an, a, an infinity saltwater pool, oh, that sounds nice. home gym, and library. Good old Quinn Snyder wants $12.75 million for his Salt Lake City home. Yeah. So, well, well, Do we know what he's going to do? Is he just going to 
hang out? It's going to reappear. Just okay. a matter of time. All right. All right. I'm just curious. Maybe broadcasting, maybe another game. I mean, it, he'll be a big time. He'll be a coach of an NBA team again soon. Okay. Did he Next say he, couple of years. he wanted to take a break? Or, yeah, but I, that's just... I don't think he was getting along with management. I don't think they were seeing eye to eye oh, on okay. certain things and player acquisition. And he was just done. Not getting along with Frank Layden, was he? Frank Layden? Frank's not there anymore. <laughs> was he I don't GM? think Frank's anywhere anymore. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> All right. Speaking of a-hole, a-hole people, horrifying done, scene in a soccer game in Argentina this weekend okay. when a, a male player absolutely lost it. And sucker punched a female referee in the oh, back no. of the head after being handed a yellow card. Really? He somehow missed her. He did, it wasn't a clean shot. His hand kind of, But he went after this ref. Now, there is video of it, but it's horrifying to watch a guy. He's in a full sprint and just fires oh, one right at the back of her head. God. He was immediately taken off the field and arrested, thank goodness. And Cortati says that she has filed charges against the player who was kicked out of the league forever. So I hope that she, her name was Dalma Cortati. I hope Jeez, she goes after this terrible. guy for everything. Yeah. I mean, she popped right up and like, didn't even hurt her apparently. Is this like but, a premier league, like a, a, a highfalutin player on a big time team. Or was it like a, a lower level team? Well, it's I mean, a, not that you would know soccer. It's a third division oh. match between okay. garments and independencia of the Trey Arroyos regional league. Whatever ask your buddy stretch. He I'll can probably stretch. tell you exactly what that I'll is. All right. I got some RIPs. We did Vin Scully. You've heard of him. Um, and then I, oh, last week I did a, a, a joke about a Brazilian guy who injects synthetic oils into his muscles to make him look enormous. He died. He passed away right after I did that joke about him. I think him. he was listening to Unfiltered at the time. He Some, was. Something that's, that, that clearly Hotshot Scott was not doing. Man, yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I listen to this stuff. Valdir Sagato passed away on his 55th birthday from an apparent wow. heart attack. I know. Despite being warned six years ago that he faced amputation, nerve damage, and muscle disfigurement if he continued the inject injections, he ignored the warning. So rest okay. in peace to Valdir. Okay. Judith Durham. I know you're a big Judith Durham fan. Lead singer of a group called The Seekers. Not... They had one song you most likely know. Yes. Called Georgie Girl. Sing it. Hey there, Georgie Girl, swinging down the street so fancy free. Do you remember it? If people only saw us right now. <laughs> it came out in 1967. It was the title song to the movie with the same name. Gorgeous voice, 79 years old. So rest in, rest peace, in peace to Judith Durham. Yeah. All right, I got a few headlines before we get the hell out of sure. here. Sure. A Maryland woman said the numbers that earned her a $25,000 lottery prize came from her sister's dream. The story is unbelievable to me. Who the hell wants to hear about other people's dreams? A man was fired for being 20 minutes late to work for the first time in seven years. 20 minutes late and he was fired for the first time. Should have wrecked his car into a, into a church van. Who is this guy? One of Mitch Levy's producers in 2002? <laughs> Just kidding. Mitch never had a producer that lasted seven years. A Minnesota woman whose fingernails have... I, I noticed she didn't get a bell. I don't bell. get the bell. No. A Minnesota woman... Oh, shit on you. <laughs> a Minnesota woman whose fingernails have a combined length of 42 feet, 10.4 oh, inches... disgusting. ...was awarded two Guinness World Records, one for the longest fingernails on a pair of hands... And the other for the most amount of boogers accumulated oh, in one nose. God, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, reluctantly, I'll give you a bell on that. <clears throat> Maryland Disgusting. police have shared a photo of a man walking down an interstate outside Baltimore last week who they said suffers from amnesia and can't remember his own name. Okay, big boy. It's time for you to come clean and just tell your wife your phone died, all right? 
go through this ruse. And finally, a woman has spoken out about her unusual sex life, saying her boyfriend has up to 100 boners a day ah. and is tiring her out. Did you just say boners? 100 a day. I didn't think people... Can you say erections? I don't like that word. People don't say boners anymore. I have to say that. Nobody has said boner for like 45 <laughs> years. What about tall boy? I can do that. I just... I can't... <laughs> I can't say that other word for some erections? reason. Erections? Yeah, it bothers me. Big deal. My wife and I do it almost every day. Almost on Friday. Almost on Saturday. <laughs> almost on Sunday. <laughs> I think that's an old Milton Berle joke, but it came into my head, so I thought it was oh. funny. There you go. I'm done. Milton Berle, who I ran into at Spago, Beverly Hills. That's right, with two ladies. And I did not have the gold Jaguar. And No, you did not. <laughs> Milton Berle with nary a gray hair on that head, huh, boy? Oh, God. Him and Jack Betty, they, they took that to the grave, yeah, that yeah. black hair. <laughs> I think actually Milton went gray at one point, but anyway. So there you have it. Yes. Episode 202. And as we close up episode 202, Hotshot Scott... Piper Soden. Yes. And Issaquah. Yep. Not Issaquah. Or Yakima. Yakima. Yes. Issaquah. Mm -hmm. Issy go Issy. Yep. Heading off to Greenville, North uh, Carolina. Yep. You know what Greenville, North Carolina is most known for? The Little League Softball World Series. Nor do I. <laughs> I have no clue. You're I supposed don't. to say, no, I don't. And I'm going to say, nor do I. I'm going to try. Yes. I know that this is sounding like weaseling and I'm not happy about it. I'm going to try to get there. Yeah. I would say that I am um, I am a, 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 a an underdog to get there unless you guys go deep. Okay. The further you guys, I told you in last week's show, even though I guaranteed that if you guys made it, I would go. But as I told you in last week's episode 201, mm -hmm. I can't leave D.C. and the in-laws yes. to go to Greenville, North Carolina. You might want to get some good points on the side of the ledger with the, with the in-laws. <laughs> I mean, after all, Herbie's taking me to see Juan Soto's return <laughs> right. uh, to Washington. I can't do that. Understandable, yes. But I might be able to free myself from Florida okay. somehow, fly to Raleigh, yeah. 90 minutes to Greenville to see Piper hit sixth and play catcher for the Little League uh, if I don't make it, I wish you all the best. It would be an amazing thing if they could. It's already an amazing. Thing. It's already amazing. Are you gonna? Yes. How disappointed are you gonna be if they don't get out of the starters gate somehow? Like if they go zero and two, yeah, and right away one two barbecue, boom. Yeah, that's gonna be a bummer. But I, yeah, it, yeah, it'll be a bummer. But look, either you're good enough or you're not. Like it's, uh, you know, unless they just play horrible and there's some ugly. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's I'll a costly adventure, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> It sure is. And there, there is a GoFundMe out there for... Uh, oh, there, there is? Yes. Well, tell you, everybody. If you, I had a, for, the, for the families? For the travel expenses for the family. So, or is the, it just for, for Soden? Is it just for <laughs> I, Mitch, I, I wish. Mitch Unfiltered co-hosts? I wish. We didn't, nobody asked for help. It's a GoFundMe for all Mitch Unfiltered co-hosts <laughs> that are going to the That's Little right. League World Series. <laughs> nobody asked for help before San Bernardino, but that was a week at a hotel and a week of... You know, it was actually hard. Ten days. Hard. I, I don't think that that's a problem. Ten days of eat, eating out every night, I don't and think, so I, look and look. If, if any if any dollar goes over what the cost of the travel, it goes to Issaquah softball. So just know. Oh, I don't think that that's a bad idea, or anybody should be ashamed or embarrassed at all. I tweeted I that have, out. So if anyone wants to go, I, I have no problem. I have no interest in going there to to give money. I, <laughs> I didn't. But I've got no problem with it. <laughs> 
Where? Oh, what do you do? Go fund me what? What? Uh, you can. Uh, Issaquah. Yeah, you can find it. I I tweeted it out. It's on my Facebook. If you if you want to, oh, find I'll retweet it. You, it. Oh, okay. Thank I, you. I look. I I don't think that's a bad thing at all. That's hard. Yeah, it's been. It's gonna be like twenty days of hotels. How do people and, even get off from jobs well, and go do their? You know, put their lives on hold to go to Greenville, North Carolina. I think one, after San Bernardino, California. One unintended consequence of the pandemic was we kind of learned how to work from home and how to work remote. So I oh, think a lot so of people are there. just like, I see people down in the lobby Got every it. morning at the hotel on their computers with headphones on working. All right, Smothers Brothers, as I end the show, let's try it one more time. You know what Greenville, North Carolina is most known for? Hot shot, Scott. You know I don't. Nor do I. Ah, Episode 202 is in the books. <laughs> 